Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The following program is presented by the Nerdy Show Podcast Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by a comic shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination, and with generous support of listeners like you. For more Nerdy Show podcasts, community forums, and to learn how you can support this and other fine Nerdy Show programming, visit nerdyshow.com. We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Please hang up and try again. Grab a slice of the epic podcast. Don't stick it in your mouth. Put it in your ear holes now. Ladies and gentlemen, Nelson Lugo and Schaefer the Dark Lord. Gentlemen, coming to you from this beautiful and spacious Studio 6C Astoria, Queens, this is the Epic Pie Cast, episode 21. I am your host, Nelson Lugo. I am your other host, Schaefer the Dark Lord. And I am your other, other host, Charles Stunning. What up? Dun, da, da. Dun, da, 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 dun, da, da. Here we are! <laughs> episode 21. Our podcast can now drink. Legally Yay. in every state in the union. The podcast is as old as I am. If <laughs> that's a lie. Don't that guess would, I, how old I am. Internet, I guess that would don't. suggest that we put out uh, one episode a year, which would be real lazy. I would have sounded so <laughs> cute in the first episode. Uh, you, would have, you would have been just it, cooing. I just would have been like, I like comic books. That's, that's I want to go are, to stores. Those are advanced verbal skills I for probably, a one-year-old. Oh yeah, well, I wouldn't have been one. I'm older than 21. The internet. Oh, the secret's out. <laughs> but not by much. But not by much. Uh, so what we what do we have in store today? I know we've got oh. we've got a guest later on, <laughs> right? Oh. Uh, we have some stuff to talk about. Yeah, we do. We have we have a lot of stuff to co- talk about. We have a lot of stuff to catch up on because last episode uh, was our April Fools episode, um, which uh, I, I got a lot of great feedback on. A lot of people really enjoyed it. Really? Yeah. People like that. People. Yeah. Surprisingly, people actually enjoyed the show. Yeah. yeah. Where'd you get the feedback in the in the email? Yeah, in the one email, the one person who wrote us really liked it. So oh. uh, they are representative of all twelve listeners. I talked to somebody at a show recently yeah. who said, "Hey, that uh, last month's podcast episode was great." <laughs> I was listening to the preview before it was sent onward, uh-huh. and my roommate made me take off my headphones and listened to what we were doing because I kept laughing at everything we were doing. She's like, what are you doing? I was like, listening to this podcast I'm on. Can I listen to it? Yeah. She's like, oh my God, you're doing War of the World. She was really excited. So there you go. We so have uh, yeah, happy proof. April Fools, everybody! Happy uh, April Fools! Yeah, we have a we have a bunch of things uh, to talk about. What do you what do you yeah. want to start in first? I, I got one thing. All right, what? 
I mean, I'm assuming that a lot of the stuff we're going to talk about this month, the, the movies and stuff we read. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A, a lot of us, we're, we're, I mean, we saw a movie together. Yes, we yeah, did. We, we, did. We, we also are all reading a lot of the same books. Yes, True. So, But we also saw a show as well. Yes, we did. We, we saw a show. Yeah. No. Oh my God, there's so we much. We spent so much time together this month. Can we do that all the time? Don't push your luck. Chuck Stunning. The one thing that I consumed <laughs> this month that I feel, I, I'm not sure that you guys did, and it's just the one thing I want to get out of the What's way. What's that? Is uh, a video game. Oh, Batman Arkham Origins. Yeah. Uh, the 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 least good game of that series. Sure. Which now is you know, traded hands for the, the that one installment. Right. It left uh, Rocksteady, went to another studio. Uh, that game was, it was okay. It's still fun because you're Batman. Blah, blah, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I like However, it. It, since the last episode, they released uh, DLC for that game. Oh, that's right. It's uh, an origin, ice, kind right? of an origin-ish story for uh, Mr. Freeze called Cold, Cold Heart. That's <laughs> it. Cold, Cold Heart. Yes, yes, yes. That game was so dope. <laughs> it was I'm not even a big Mr. Freeze fan that game was so dope it was so much better than all of Arkham Origins if it had just if all of Arkham Origins had been that stretched out over eight hours I think I would have liked it more the thing I like about it that I, I, that I liked more than uh, Arkham Origins is that so by, by the time you get to Arkham Origins they've gone through a lot of the, the Batman villains yeah so when you get to Arkham Origins it's this thing where like eight assassins are coming to get you on Christmas Eve and they really Scrape the bottom of the barrel. I mean, all right, Bane was in there, but yeah. like you fight Bane three times and that gets really tedious. Yeah. But then yeah. they got like Firefly. Yeah. No one cares. And then they got like Electrocutioner. Ooh. Yeah, that was horrible. Deathstroke. Deathstroke's a badass villain. Not really. He, but they, they, they wasted him. He should have been, he should have been like the one you fight before Bane. That should have been it. But they, they wasted Deathstroke right at the top, basically. That's, that's my opinion. Well, the takeaway is this. Cold Cold Heart DLC for Arkham Origins was awesome. Nice. Uh, I guess I guess the one the one new thing that I did this month um, is I picked up um, all of the back issues for the new uh, Guardians of the Galaxy uh, for Marvel Comics. Uh, I think I think they're up to volume four, um, and, and and I think they're only like six or seven issues in. And I can't believe I haven't read this comic book before. It is hilarious and good, and the writing is amazing, and I want more. Uh, I want more Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm super stoked for the movie now. In August, the month of dreams. The month of the most magical things. That's August. It's important. Important month. True. Chuck? What do you got? What do you got? Oh, I have only been reading the things that Lugo has on his Comixology app. <laughs> right, because you still have access to my Comixology. I have played a lot of ukulele this month, and I debuted my first ever nerdy burlesque number, which I was really proud of. Wait, your first ever? Seriously? Yeah, I never, like, everything else was very, like, storyline-based, so I, oh. did a, I did a Scarlet Witch number. So I've been reading House of M to sort mm-hmm. of learn, so that's pretty much it. Huh. Also, anytime anyone talks about Cold, cold heart. Hank Williams plays in my head on repeat. Uh, it's it's there forever now. How did the how did the Scarlet Witch number go? How, how did, did it was it re- received well? It was received very Are well. Going to keep it? Yes, I'm actually doing it again in July. Oh, awesome! That's how good it was. Is this what? now? Is this the the show that happened in DC? Yes. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome, uh, awesome. Thank you, all the DC heights for coming and watching and I totally stepped on a piece of broken glass in the first show that was awesome so Wait, do, you do, do, you, do you do the act barefoot yeah, well I take my shoes off 
And then while I'm dancing at the end, I stepped on a piece of glass. That's not. I have bled for my art now, bitches. (laughs) And that was that was in the first set. That was in the first set. So I was all that's right with a glass wounded foot. Yes. The best part was I had tweezers, and my one of my uh, compatriots had to pick the glass out of my foot. Yikes! Mm -hmm. That's showbiz, folks. Yep, that's real. That's what that is. May has been a good month to me so far. Um. Yeah. Let's talk about the things we did together. <gasps> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think we started off. Uh, we we watched. Um, we went to a show. We went to a burlesque show mm-hmm. on May um, 9th. called. Uh, oh, please help me out here. Queens, Queens of, of Comics. Comics. Queens of Comics. Uh, produced uh, by. It was a co-production by Anya Keister and BB Hart, I believe. The mm-hmm. comic book themed burlesque show, but it was also it doubled as a launch party for issue number six of. Uh, Rat Queens. Rat Queens. Rat Queens. And there were appearances by the um, artist and writer Curtis J. Weeb and Rock Upchurch who create Rat Queens. They were there in attendance. If we haven't spoken a lot about Rat Queens, that is a disservice that we need to uh, uh, stop because Rat Queens is is fucking amazing. So good. It is so... If you're not reading Rat Queens, you are missing out on probably one of the best written uh, comic books uh, being produced right now. Oh, God. It's so good. It's so funny. Oh you man, <laughs> she, she, Schaefer has a poker face on. Do you not care for rat queens? No, I like rat queens. Oh, okay. That's that's just that's what my face looks like. You just <laughs> you just have standing poker face face. Resting yeah. bitch face. Is what I have it's resting called. poker face. <laughs> Did I look bitchy? No, oh, you didn't I don't look bitchy. You, I wasn't looking at you. You look you, you look poker face. I was just thinking about my childhood. Wait, what? So the co- Queens of Comics show was really good. But you don't have to take our words for it. Oh, that's right. You can take our words for it. If we would like to travel through time into the past, because in this for the second time yes. in Epic Podcast history, yes. we filed a field report. Field reports. I fucking love the new the new segments of field reports. I really do. They're so weird. <laughs> So, let's go to the tape. Hey, Nelson Lugo here. Hi, I'm Shay for the Dark Lord. Hey, I'm Chuck Stunning, and we're coming to you from the Queens of Comics burlesque show and launch party. Here at the Parkside Lounge in Lower Manhattan. The the atmosphere is electric and abuzz with nerds. We're really lucky we got seats. So, what? Yeah, I'm the only person at this table without a drink. You should fix that. <laughs> How is that even I like rat queens. Me too. I fucking love rat queens I so like much. I like comic books. So basically, uh, this is a burlesque show that's a tribute to uh, not not just comic books, specific, but specifically rat queens, uh, the series, right? No, that's not that's not accurate. Oh, at then all. what is this? Oh. Uh, it's just a well, celebration. Well, you, you have no idea what you're attending, so why don't you just wait? It'll all be a surprise for you, you knucklehead. Okie dokie. I love boobs. We are at intermission at Queens of Comics. Here at the Parkside Lounge in, in Lower Manhattan. So what do you think so far, Chuck? I'm having a fucking blast. Yeah, Mr. Shape of the Dark Lord. I have seen some acts and I have liked them. I cannot get the Wonder Woman theme out of my brain. Wonder Woman! She's Hearts Harley Quinn act was inspired as always. As always. I'd never seen that act before. It was awesome. I have such a crush on it. Don't be uh, mad. Despite my cold, angry, embittered heart, I'm actually enjoying myself. Uh, faithful listeners, I just want you to know we're gonna get wasted. I finally got a drink. 
on my third drink because I know how to do it. I don't know what limits are. Lugo's not paying for any drinks because his birthday's tomorrow. So, uh, here's an admission. We're going to enjoy an admission and we'll report back later. Yeah, bye. This is Nelson Lugo. I'm Shay from the Dark Lord. I'm apparently still Charles Stunning. Holy fucking shit balls. Ah, best. Bravo, B.B. Hart and Anya Keister on an awesome show. Yes, bravo to all the ladies of Queens of Comics. Everybody did a fantastic job tonight. You guys, seriously, blew my mind so many times. This show gets a full pie. This show gets three X's for comics. This show was really good. I'm Nelson Lugo. Shut up. And that was the second field report from the cast of the Epic Podcast. It was lovely. I especially liked how much beer I had. Yeah, I, we I was going to ask reporting. how much how much booze had we been in on at that I, point. I was winning. Guys. <laughs> yeah, you, I, you got were. There, I got there first. Yeah. Right. I had a beer right. while I was waiting. Then I had a beer in line, and then I had a beer at intermission. Right, and I think that was it. That's I, enough. I, I'm very little. I lo- I lost count. I don't remember how many boozes I I drank. Also, you, I don't think you bought any boozes that night because it was your birth weekend. That's yeah, right. That's yeah, that that's was, true. That I celebrated. I celebrated a birthday uh, this month, mm-hmm. and I turned thirty. Uh, the ripe old age of fifty-four. Ah, uh, that's more fitting. Oh God, <laughs> seventeen. Ah, uh, uh, I'm. 68 years old. That's not true. The internet will know how old you are. They can look you up. Do you want to talk about the movie now? Can we? Yes, please. Let's let's talk about the movie. Um, how should we get into this? Once upon a time, uh huh. May the 10th. Yeah. Nelson Lugo's birthday. Uh huh. We got together, the three of us, as we do because we are friends, to celebrate the day of Nelson Lugo because it was Lugo Day. I baked Lugo a cake. It was delicious. That said Lugo Day. We had brunch. Yeah. We hung out. We did. And we decided to go see a movie. <laughs> that movie, ladies and gentlemen of the internet, was The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> so we saw that movie. We, all of it. We saw it. We, we saw, saw it in its entirety. Every we, frame of that movie it was watched. Was viewed by us all the way. Um, and so, in true the three of us were together fashion, we created yet another field report. Field report. Yes, this will be the third <laughs> field report in the history of the Epic Piecast. <laughs> Let's go to the tape. Hey, Nelson Lugo here. Hi, I'm Shay for the Dark Lord. Hi, I'm Chuck Stunning. And we are here watching the new Spider-Man film, The Amazing Spider-Man 2, at the AMC Theater in Astoria, Queens. I probably shouldn't have my phone out, but we really wanted to report this to you guys. <laughs> the, the movie hasn't started. We're just watching the 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 twenty. Is that is it still called the twenty? I don't think they call it that anymore. Well, maybe I'm aging myself. But basically, these are the commercials. We just wanted to say we're going to set it up. We're going to watch the film, and we, we're going to we're going to hear all about it after the fact. Um, any predictions? Spider-Man. <laughs> Webs. And electric things. Ooh. All right, signing off.
there, Nelson Lugo here. Hi, I'm Shay for the Dark Lord. Hey, I'm still Chuck Stunning. And we just finished watching The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Two! Uh, one word thoughts, go. You want me to go? Yeah. <laughs> okay, my, my one word thoughts on Amazing Spider-Man 2. Nope. <laughs> Chuck Stunning, your one word thought. Speed-a-man. <laughs> <laughs> Nelson Lugo, one word. What? <laughs> that's it. Uh, that's been... We, uh, do an outro. we can outro it on the show. I, I like boobs. <laughs> Me too. And that was the third field report in the history of the Epic Podcast as we reviewed The Amazing Spider-Man Spider 2, yeah. directed by Mark Webb. Speed-a-man. Speed-a-man. Um, how? I mean, I, I want to talk about this a little bit because I'm a little yeah. upset I'm, by it. Uh, and, but I don't know I don't know how much I, I, I am comfortable talking about because it, it could be spoilery. It could not be spoilery. Personally, I don't care if I spoil it. Nah, it doesn't matter. Um, All right. Spoilers. This there. is spoiler alert. This is spoiler, spoiler alert. alert. If you don't want to know anything about wee Ultimate wee Spider-Man wee 2, then wee fast wee forward wee about, wee what, wee 10 minutes? Uh... This, or just listen and know movie, that you shouldn't see this movie. This movie is not good. No. Um, it had it had some really good action sequences. A lot of things exploded. A lot of buildings got destroyed, and um, there were some really cool uh, fight scenes. But beyond that, not good. The script wasn't good. The acting wasn't good. Everybody was a two dimensional parody of themselves, which yeah. is kind of weird because. Spider-Man's always been kind of a parody of that kind of life to begin with. And, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this right now. I'm going to do a nerd confession right here on the podcast. Hashtag nerd confession. Um, I don't really care about Spider-Man. Huh. I'm not, I mean, other than I've, I, I've read the comic books. I've seen the movies. I en enjoy the content. But by and large, I don't really give a shit about Spider-Man. <gasps> I love Spider-Man. <laughs> I, I mean you're allowed just because I don't like Spider-Man doesn't mean you can't I I, I'm gonna say the only good thing about this Spider-Man movie and I said this when we walked out of the movie theater I'm glad Spidey was using Google instead of Bing in this movie <laughs> I am I am disappointed that he was using Google but at least he was he was using Google instead of Bing I enjoy shitty movies I, yeah. I give I give like popcorn movies a huge pass I'll make this confession Sam Raimi's third Spider-Man movie the one that everybody like rolls their eyes and groans about with two dance numbers and too many villains Baba Dee Badoo I like that Topher film. Grace's fucking Venom alright all of that I like that one. Yeah, I like that. I like that I, one too. I, I was actually. like, this movie's pretty crappy, and I forgave it a lot because I wanted to go to the movie theater and I wanted to have fun in the summertime and eat popcorn and watch superheroes do superhero <laughs> shit. Right. And so I forgave it a lot. <laughs> and I, I don't know if I've gotten more jaded since two thousand seven. Probably. Or that's highly likely. And I did really like the Amazing Spider-Man the reboot. I liked. I, I like, like the reboot. I like a lot. Andrew Garfield as Peter Parker. Ah, uh, but Amazing Spider-Man Two just kind of made me it, angry. Like, it, yeah, it didn't accomplish anything to to perpetuate the story. It was like, here's the summer blockbuster. Spider-Man yeah. is sad about stuff. I'm I'm a little. There's this character. Yeah, they... I am I'm actually very disappointed in the the special effects of this movie. Oh, um, really? Yeah, I actually oh. am. Uh, there was a moment where. The the baddie Electro Electro is the baddie in this movie. Uh, zaps some 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 civilians, and the 
the way they were zapped looked like something out of the the 90s Batman and Robin or Batman Forever. <laughs> I was so very disappointed. I was like, it's been over a decade. This looks bad. This looks bad. And it takes me out of the movie. A movie I already didn't want to be in, albeit, but took me out to the point that I just, I, I gave up. The the two planes, guys. I, 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 yeah. here's the, the thing. I quit that the movie. Two, the two, the two planes. The two just planes. The two planes. That's all we're going to say is the two planes. I quit that movie. Here's the thing. I didn't, I didn't mind, because again, I am more than willing to give a pass to a lot of, of uh, movies that are just popcorn fodder. Because mm-hmm. I enjoy watching just, you know, crazy summer blockbuster. Yeah. Um, summer films. Um, what what did the, what did me in on this one is that the script was just groan inducing. Yes. I mean, the the shit they had these actors say was like, oh my god, I, I really felt so bad. For and those I mean, I, I mean, put aside um, Peter Parker's uh, post traumatic stress disorder hallucinations. Uh, creepy Obi-Wan. You know, yeah, creepy Obi-Wan ghosts. <laughs> um, you know, um, put aside like his his on again, off again, almost emotionally abusive relationship he Toxic has relationship. with Mary Jane. Um, Gwen uh, Stacy. Gwen Stacy. Sorry, Gwen Stacy. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, and and then and then the the exceedingly problematic origin of Electro is. I, it's 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 all. I'm almost insulted that someone thought this might entertain me. Yeah, you, you know, it's like somewhere up high in an office building, wearing a tie and 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 typing very furiously on a calculator, said, "You know what? Nelson Lugo's really gonna like this movie." Um, I feel like he had an abacus because that's how out of touch the person who decided this film was a good film. Correct. They, uh, they, like The thing is, is that when they did the, the Amazing Spider-Man one, they tried to write this story that there's a mystery about the death of Peter Parker's parents, something that nobody has ever given a shit about. Right. Okay, you're trying a new angle. You're trying to set yourself apart from the Sam Raimi movies. Okay, I get it. Cool. So there's this mystery and this conspiracy and a shadowy figure. And, ooh, I can't wait to watch this story unravel over a trilogy. Shut up. You get to the second movie and you know what you get? Just more of that shit. Just more of like, hey, here's a conspiracy with no information. Here's a shadowy figure. Like, all they're telling us in the middle act of, if this is, a tr- if he's setting this up as a trilogy, all he's telling us in the middle act is, hey, remember we told you that we're going to tell you a thing. Or we're reminding you that we're still going to tell you a thing. <laughs> and it's not a mystery that I give a shit about. <laughs> I, mean, I applaud them for trying to add a new twist, like a, a, a pathos to his family, you know, um, and and it and it kind of cements like uh, uh, how you know, like this one, f- kind of like how how um, the Avengers are are the, the MacGuffin is the super soldier form formula, right? Like the super soldier formula was responsible for the Hulk and a bunch of other things, right? So in the Spider-Man universe, that whatever it is that bit Peter Parker, that same thing is kind of responsible for all of the villains, you know, like the Rhino and whatever, all of these super suits. Oh. I kind of, I kind of get the direction they're going in, but it fails on such a basic level. It's only because they made it so convenient. Everything oh, is yeah. so convenient yeah. and so yeah, centered exactly on it. Peter Parker being bitten by a spider to the point. I feel that the the screenwriters were telling me. Oh, by the way, you're really stupid. Here's Doc Ock's arms. We're just going to skip his origin story entirely. It's just going to be there, like waiting, so we can have the Sinister Six and we don't have to do origin stories anymore. Really, guys? Really? No, I 
Ugh. And the origin story for Electro was so depressing. He's terrible. He first of all, he's the he is it's so such a problematic. He's like an eighties. Oh, 80s so sitcom nerd archetype. With yeah. His- First of all, he has this like comb over, which is hair that he would not have. Right. They put a pocket protector on him. Just, we need to make sure that we everybody understands that, that Max Dillon is socially inept. Let's get that clear. <laughs> really nerdy. But smart, because he's got blueprints. And a pocket protector. And he's really obsessed with Spider-Man. And so then when he gets bitten by a bunch of electric eels, then he has powers and he's going to hurt Spider-Man. There's just no motivation there that an eighth grader wouldn't have written. Yeah. My favorite part about that transition moment was his teeth got fixed. Right. Because not having a gap anymore makes you a a supervillain. Yeah. Uh, I will never be a supervillain guy. So, yeah. (laughs) Here's the thing. If... Don't go to the movies. Don't bother. If it comes up on cable, it's definitely a watch on cable. But don't spend any real extra money on this. I am going to try and formulate a drinking game for this. So at least you can get <laughs> wasted while you watch this terrible, 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 terrible movie. And, and here's the thing. It's not for lack of talent. They actually cast some pretty talented actors. Yeah, Garfield yeah. and Stone Emma Stone and, Gar- and, and, and Andrew Garfield have some, some there there are some pretty sweet scenes between the two of them. Yeah. Some of their, yeah. some of their but I mean, they're of- actually, I mean, they're a real life couple. So their chemistry was pretty, they didn't really have to fake it for the screen. Yeah, but but all of those scenes were pretty much carried by Mary Jane. You Ma- mean Gwen, Gwen Stacy. Stacy. Sorry, God damn it, Gwen Stacy. Gwen Stacy's the blonde one. Yes. Mary Jane Gwen is Stacy the is the only character in this film that actually has depth and mm-hmm. substance. Yeah. And they did it on purpose so that, spoiler alert, when she dies, it means something. It means You're something. Sad. You know, and but they didn't bother to do that with anybody else. No. It's no. infuriating. And it and it makes me so sad that Spider-Man actually doesn't gain anything or learn anything or become anything new. You could essentially just watch the last, what, 10 minutes of this movie and you wouldn't have missed anything in the storyline of Amazing Spider-Man. It literally begins and ends the same way. Yeah. Like he's, <laughs> yeah, that's he's, he's the yeah. same. The he's only thing that's the only good villain in the movie who gets like his three minutes of screen time at the beginning and two minutes at the end. Uh, Paul Giamatti is uh, the rhino. I will say who, Paul- dress, who dresses like one of the tracksuit Draculas from Hawkeye. <laughs> yes, yeah, bro. Um, and he's got a fucking a barbed wire tattoo around his he's, head. He's the best. He's the best villain <laughs> in the movie, yeah. and the best parts of the movie are his. Are his? Yeah. But I, I have to say, Paul Giamatti as a rhino is fucking inspired. Whoever it's- cast him. Should get more money. I don't even care. It's a big exosuit. I liked it. I like the big exosuit. <laughs> See, I can forgive shit in superhero movies. I like the rhino in a big exosuit because of a screaming, terribly angry Paul Giamatti is in it shouting something in Russian. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, my ride's here. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen of the internet, uh, all two of you, I will say mm. if you are looking for something that fulfills your love of Spidey, you should check out the cartoon Ultimate Spider-Man. I started watching Absolutely. it after I saw Amazing Spider-Man 2 because I just have a yen to, to Spider-Man all the time. <laughs> I love him. I love him. If he were real, I'd want to be his girlfriend. Um, it's really <laughs> fucked up. I'm really sorry. I'm practically Max Dillon, okay? It's fine. Sometimes, sometimes I talk to Spider-Man while I'm getting ready to go to work. It's fine. You talk to the, you talk to the, uh, the talk, uh, I talk the to shrine. the picture and I made a birthday card for myself from Spider-Man. I did it. It's fine. It's, it's fine. It, that's totally normal, right? No, but, that's, that's what people do. But in all honesty, <laughs> Ultimate Spider-Man takes place um, with Peter Parker in high school. Nick Fury brings him on board to a, a young teen team 
um, to sort of learn and become better heroes, create less collateral damage. It's really great. And I love that Spider-Man addresses the audience directly, very, very Deadpool-y, which is very lovely. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's, it's a great, wonderful, fun cartoon. And if you are looking for something to fulfill your your Spider-Man desires, I would highly recommend Ultimate Spider-Man. Huh. I absolutely agree. I think the first, the entire first season is on Netflix. The first two seasons are on Oh, the Netflix. first two seasons are on yeah. Netflix. Yeah, and what's really great is it features a lot of other characters from the Marvel Universe. I watched the Hawkeye episode like before I came here and I was like, Hawkeye. Oh, <laughs> and it's, uh, yeah, and the thing My boyfriends are working together. The, the <laughs> Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon and the, I don't, I don't know if this is a testament to the writers of the cartoon or the, the, condemnation of the writers of the movie but the cartoon actually has a lot more to say Mm -hmm. about Spider-Man being a hero and the duality of his real life versus his hero life and how that impacts not only him but the people around him Mm -hmm. whereas Amazing Spider-Man 2 made that uh, the the closest that they touched in on that was using a really overwrought masturbation metaphor because it's like Aunt May is always almost catching him Being and he comes in and he's like pulling the covers up and he's like huh, Hi, just, uh, just another minute so that's that's what they went for to try to show that he, that he is struggling with this this the duality in his life they made a uh, masturbation joke look I get Spider-Man is totally a reference to puberty I get it you don't have to beat me over the head with it thank you very much Sam Raimi Mark Webb. <laughs> All y'all. You know what you know what doesn't happen in Ultimate <clears throat> Spider-Man? It's not a reference to puberty or masturbation. Thank you, Ultimate Spider-Man. Nice. So there you go. Really add, you... Like the attitude went all through my body internet. So I just want you to know. You guys have just sold the series to me. I'd like to watch it. It's, it's, really, it's really cute. Good. This sounds like it's something that will it's satisfy really my craving for a good Spider-Man. And I mean, if you're nostalgic for Drake Bell like I am, you'll really love it because Drake Bell voices Spidey and I have a big old crush on him too. <laughs> oh, Mark. Um, all right. So, uh, moving right along. Anything else? Anything else we want to talk about? Anything uh, we want to touch on? Well, if you want to talk about your talking about like animated series that that uh, tell the story better than the movies that are already old, and you're catching the train a little late. Yeah. I finally just started watching Clone Wars. Hey, me too. Really? Oh, I yeah. watched the first episode of that. Um, I the first I'd seen like most of the first season. I the uh, granted the first like the the first three episodes became a, a feature that they put in the theaters. Yeah. Those first three episodes, terrible. And the first season, it got a little better as it went on, but then I gave up on it. And then I just recently was like... Because they're on Netflix. Every Yes, everybody swears by it. Fucking Lucas Siegel swears by it. Yes, he does. Uh, so many people I've read say, like, it, it just gets better as it goes. And so I finally wanted to get caught up. And even being kind of early on in the series, yeah, I get it. I don't know why I didn't watch this sooner. <laughs> it's great. And everybody who listens to this... Probably already knows that. Well, you know what? I'm in the same boat with you. I never, I never watched it when it aired, and I'm actually almost done with the second season right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm, ki- and it's like, I was like, why did I wait so long to watch it? It's actually fucking great. Well, it's great that you wait because then it's all out there, and you can watch it at once. And That's like the true. final yeah, season yeah. Is, is on Netflix, right? I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm binge watching it as we speak, and I think I'm going through like two episodes a day, and nice. I'm. I'm having a whole lot of fun with this, yeah. uh, and and it it <laughs> I I never really liked the prequels, but this Anakin's Anakin's journey from from Jedi Knight to Sith makes sense now because you see the small choices that he made along the way during the Clone War that informed his point of view about how to get things done by any, by any means necessary, and in in this cartoon. 
he's always the first in battle. He's always the first to risk his life. He's always about saving lives and and not caring what the consequences are. And it's just a tiny little turn of perception that that twists him into the dark side. Nice. Yeah, and that journey makes so much more sense now. And mm-hmm. and it's like, ah! Well, the detriment to the prequels was they spent so much time talking about the adventures they were having and not actually having those adventures. Yeah. Exactly. Now yeah. this series can like flesh and that out. And the series can really take time and, and show those things. Instead of just being like having characters saying, we sure have done a lot of things together, haven't we, pal? Oh, we did. <laughs> that one time we did that one thing. That thing really shaped our relationship. It truly did. It informed a lot of how we interact today. Uh, so uh, you've probably all watched The Clone Wars. So uh, for the one person who has it, go watch it. That's me. Uh, it's good, good stuff. So, hey, Lugo. Yes? You did something special recently. Let's say two weeks ago. <laughs> yes, in the timeline. Um, I had the very distinct honor of... Uh, uh, Right. Uh, uh, I had the very distinct honor of officiating uh, a wedding. Um, I, I uh, Lucas Siegel, friend of the podcast. And Lucas Siegel of Newsarama.com? Lucas Siegel of Newsarama.com. He Lucas was... Siegel from the Epic Podcast Live episode that I was a part of? That's right. Lucas Siegel, uh, who's been on the uh, podcast more episodes than any other guest. Damn it. I was gonna... Without becoming a host. Yeah. <laughs> <Wait>. <laughs> Uh, he uh, got married to a lovely, beautiful, fantastic woman uh, named Liza. And they asked me to officiate their wedding. In and Pittsburgh, PA. In Pittsburgh, PA. Uh, and it's so funny. When they both approached me, they were so shy and nervous and awkward. And they said, you know, we, we want you to officiate our wedding. And the first word out of my mouth was, why? And they proceeded to... Uh, for the next 25 minutes tell me why I was the perfect choice and, um, it was my uh, I was so deeply honored uh, and, and I couldn't refuse and I and um, I wrote them the nerdiest sweetest <laughs> loveliest pop culture referenced uh, ceremony that I could possibly uh, pour my heart into and um, it was uh, it was I it, it was eye opening it was heartwarming it was uh Beautiful. I, I dare I say it was absolutely beautiful. And they loved it. And that's all I cared about. They laughed and, and you know, they, they kept telling me over and over again how, how absolutely perfect, not only the ceremony, the ceremony was, but their choice in me. And, Aww. and um, my, my only, my only fear was that I uh, was worthy of their faith in me. And um, it turned out that uh, I was. And so, uh, uh, so uh, to Lucas Siegel and, and Ms. Liza Siegel, uh, uh, happy uh, congratulations! Congratulations! On your yes, and, congratulations, uh, Lucas and Liza. Yeah, and uh, and and I, you know, I hope I hope you I hope it lasts a uh, hundred million years. Yay! Um, but yeah, and so Chuck, what else did you want to say? Something I did. Um, Lugo and I did a really interesting, fascinating, very New Yorky thing the oh, other that's day. Right. That's we right. did. Uh, we went and saw theater in a moving truck. Uh, like a U-Haul? Like a budget truck. <laughs> okay. Not, not actually not like a budget, a budget truck. Okay. Yes. It is called The Truck Project, and it was two plays. Two short plays, Two yeah. very short plays, about 40 minutes each, set up and shown to the public in a budget truck. Um, 
The first one was about communication. <laughs> yes, was, I guess. I guess. In a, in a it was very, sort of it way. was very absurdist and very lovely, and and terribly Night Valian, which I really like. Oh yeah, very yeah, very very very, very, very reminiscent of Night Vale. So um, yeah. And the second one was a very moving story about a therapy fish. <laughs> Huh. Like a like a pet? Like a like a therapy fish. Oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh if you it's, if you live in New York City, um they're going to be doing I think uh three more weeks. Three more weeks, yeah. Um and so go I believe um we'll have it in the show notes, but I believe it's the truckproject.com. Truck the the truckproject.com. Mm-hmm. Two two um, person pieces and they're fantastic. They yeah. are so smart and moving and hilarious. And, and it's it was, and it's like an audience of like twelve people. Yeah. And uh it's it's one of those classic like New York avant garde things that you always hear about in like Very movies. Cool. And we actually got to do it. We sat in a truck we were and watched two people create art. At an admission laughing at how only this would happen in New York. Right. Uh and um I loved it. I thought I thought it was very sweet and it I think I wonderful. think they should uh, uh, I think they should do it more often. And it yeah. was one of those things like, you know, you, you're, you're not told where it is until like the day of the show. You get an email. You, you get an email at like four o'clock with the secret location. Very cool. Uh, and, and, you, and you get like a pre-show, a pre-show speech. Like you're not allowed to take any pictures. You're not allowed mm-hmm. to do any recording. Um, you know, uh, because of the setup, it looks very suspiciously like a meth lab. So um, if the cops come and knocking, don't panic. They'll handle it because not, they're not doing anything illegal. No, it's totally it just legal looks what really fishy. Yeah. How many people are in the audience? Twelve. About twelve. Okay. About twelve. I think. I think uh, uh, at at capacity they can do sixteen. Mm-hmm. Um, with like twelve seated and I think four standing. I believe. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's. Totally worth it. It's very cheap. Totally it's like fifteen dollars awesome. tickets. Uh, if you get a chance to see it, I highly, highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. Oh, that sounds awesome. Absolutely. The truck. Project. And it was fun watching it with Chuck because <laughs> the way Chuck reacts to things is so visceral and so uh, energetic, and it's it's it's, it's <laughs> like <laughs> she doesn't like I, you know when I hear something funny I you know I chuckle like <laughs> you know when she hears something funny like her whole body laughs. It's one of those Look, things. When we met up on your birthday to go to brunch, yeah. All right, the first at, at the the first stage of the day, sure. Chuck had baked you a cake, yeah, which yes. was a Lugo day on it, and we Chuck and I don't live that far from each other, so we met up at the place like on the corner, and then walked sit. and then walked to the place to meet you for brunch, and I was waiting there, and I was like looking around, I was like, oh, I don't see Chuck, and I'm just like looking around, fucking around on my phone. I look up, and there's just this like vision of joy. Bounding down the street toward me in like a colorful dress, carrying a birthday cake, earbuds in, singing "Hooked on a Feeling" with like just abandon, and it was it was the most joy I have seen in New York City out of anybody, and I felt very lucky that I got to see that joy in somebody that I am friends with. Yeah. In my defense, it was so pretty out, I couldn't help myself. It was a really pretty. You day. do not ever need to defend yourself. I, I am not by joy. any means giving you grief. It was in, it was inspiring. I haven't felt that kind of joy since Empire Strikes Back came out. Wow, are you drunk already? No. Are you high already? It's our twenty-first birthday. <laughs> Woo! Shots. No. Uh cool. Anything else, guys? Anything? I have nothing. I. Schaefer. I released a song. Yes, you did, <gasps> motherfucker. I wrote a song. My 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 producer friend Vince Vandal is working on an EP, a mixtape. He's gonna have a bunch of uh, guest rappers on it. Uh, I don't know when it's coming out, but I recorded a track 
for it and he's already released that as kind of like the single to promote that this album is coming eventually yeah um and it features me and uh aiden mather or aiden mather <laughs> i've actually never said his name out loud so now i don't know i don't know how it's pronounced we're gonna say aiden mather all right um, it'll be in the show notes yes uh and we i wrote a song about the tragic death of a 10 year old psychopath Dun, dun, dun. Do you, do you want to say more about it or just, should we just go to break? Let's just listen to it. Ladies and gentlemen, listeners of the Epic Piecast, we are going to take a quick break and we'll be back with our very special guest. Under his master's tutelage, pupil rejects teacher, mentor seeks revenge, protege goes rogue, becomes a hero in the end. Then when he returns, honor his destiny, he's surprised to be met by the daughter of his enemy. Beautiful and brilliant, yet tactical and traitorous, a leader but a killer like a father and is dangerous. And either just a spider father or if all along he'd sought her, our detective hero tales a trail that leads his heart upon her. One night of passion prior to his time to leave, unaware that from their affair a child is conceived. Dearly beloved, we gather here, weary and sullen, the atmosphere, severely asunder, in sadness, fear, the boy wanders in the void, but we still have him near, lived and died by the sword, he was the one, he was our friend, our brother, our son, none will ever destroy his flame, remember our boy in name. Years later, our hero's lover darkens his door. Their first reunion since their night of union so long before. As gorgeous as ever, with a gaze he can't avoid. And at the end of her hand stands a ten-year-old boy. He has his mother's smile. He has his father's eyes. He has his grandfather's rage barely contained inside. The boy's mother kisses both before she runs, leaving her lover in charge of raising their son. The man is confused. Child is restless, arrogant and short-fused, wild and reckless. The training of their common teacher clear in his young stance. The father sees familiar anger, fists of his son's hands. He's resentful of responsibility he didn't want. Left to raise a boy so disrespectful and militant, predicting trouble. Only way that he can seek to fix this is to introduce his son into the family business. Dearly beloved, we gather here, weary and sullen, the atmosphere. Severely asunder, in sadness, fear The boy wanders in the void, but we still have him near Lived and died by the sword, he was the one He was our friend, our brother, our son None will ever destroy his flame Remember our boy in name This is the story of a troubled son And the tale of a parent who never wanted one Progeny as protege, father as master The man's love and the boy's ire spiral faster The youth is disobedient, his impulse is violent Though he kills nobody, the child is defiant 
fearing a plot when mother comes to collect him. Father forbids the boy to join to protect him. Ignoring instructions, insolence intervenes. As mother and father fight, he arrives at the scene and comes to his father's side, much to his mother's surprise. And in the end, he pays a sacrifice. The child dies. Mother unmoved by the sight of her lifeless son, as heartbreak crushes our hero like a leviathan. A plan to punish him with unrequited love, she thinks she's won, but months later, our hero finds a letter left by his son. And it reads, Father, I'm sure you'll be angry with me for disobeying you again, but I don't care. I will not let you fight alone. You need me, and I will always be at your side. Because it will be hard for me to say these words face to face, I want you to know that Mother may have given me life, but you taught me how to live. Let me respect your son, Damien. Our guest has arrived, and I am pleased as punch to introduce him. He is a comic book historian, a geek consultant, a published author, and writer for the Mary Sue. Also, side note, one of my oldest friends from moving to New York City is Alan Kistler. Yay! Yay! I'm so happy you're here. It hurts a little. <laughs> like, I'm Aww. so happy. Pleasure pain. Oh, well, you know. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Wow. Alan, that didn't you, take long. Alan, you um, know me. Welcome to the beautiful and spacious Studio 16. Thank yes, you. thank you. This is fun. Oh my uh, gosh. <laughs> How does one... Get the title pop culture historian. You you put it on a business card and then you have the guts to back it up. Uh, <laughs> it's it's basically no. Every time like I remember when I when I started writing for uh, Newsarama a while back and started doing my first uh, real column gig, uh, David Peepaws over there who really got me the gig um, asked, "How did you get into this?" And I said, "Ego," <laughs> and and that's kind of it. I mean, in in a more serious vein, like I. Got into, I was into science fiction as a kid. Mm-hmm. I grew up on Isaac Asimov, and, and then I was getting into Dragons of Autumn Twilight and, and all that jazz. And I had a cool babysitter who was really like my older sister. And while my parents were just like, he's reading a lot of stuff about stuff that isn't real. Like, she she was all, all right, let's go to a convention. Like, let me let me show you around. Like, let's wow. get some new posters for you. Like, let's, let's find some oh, wow, books that you yeah. don't... You, you've read all the stuff in the library. Let's find you some new books. And at this convention, when I was maybe eight, uh, I won a door prize, which was it was one of those ticket raffles. It was maybe uh, 15 free comics. And I watched cartoons, but I never read comics before, not outside the, the newspaper strips. And I was looking through them. I was like, you know, what the hell's an X-Man? And, and looking through all this stuff. And, <laughs> and I really dug... Uh, two basic things. One, that there is a history. Uh, I really liked, in stories I read, a sense of history and legacy. And I was reading this comic of Flash racing Superman. And they brought up this was not the old Flash. The old Flash was dead. And this was some dude named Wally. He used to be his sidekick. And I was just like, oh my god, the heroes died? Like, (laughs) heroes die and their sidekicks can become the new hero? What do you... And, And... this other comic, like, Batman and Superman are talking together, like, they're in the scene, and they don't get along? Like, what is that about? Spider-Man knows this dude Iron Man and this other dude called the Black Panther? What? So I was just getting blown away by this whole idea of a universe. 
yeah, it became something bigger. It was like yeah, a yeah, lore. And, and that uh, was the thing. Like, I loved mythology. I loved the sci-fi world building. So the idea that you had this universe and that a character like Batman existed in a world where time travel and Krypton existed was really interesting to me. And so I started getting into it, and uh, I had two things going for me that, that I just lucked out on. I had an uncle who was a collector for years, and he didn't really read much those days, but he just let me go through his short boxes. So I went through these short boxes of comics that like just spanned like full collections from uh, mid-1970s to like the mid-1980s. So I wow. just like shotgunned all this yeah all these stories on like captain america and fantastic four and spider-man and i was seeing how they connected and then also because i i always talked to my grandparents about you know if i liked a story they would ask why do you like it they would get me to pay attention like oh well you like this writer because look at this and no look this editor changed maybe that affected the story so for me even as a kid i was always looking at behind the scenes and, and then it turned out that they knew jack burnley who was an artist during the golden age and he worked on Superman and Batman, and he co-created the original Starman. So I met Jack, and and we had this whole like weekend conversation about how Batman's altered over the the decades, but there's always this core that stays the same. So that always, as as I just continued being a geek, I was also always looking behind the scenes. I was looking when was this printed, what was happening in politics. So that just became part of how I digested comics, knowing that. Hmm. You were also very young then when you were really getting into this yeah, and getting exposed yeah. to this world. So your brain is just a sponge. Exactly. So you're exactly. absorbing all of yeah. the, not only the details of yeah. all of these characters and all these uh, universes, but all of the all the credited creators behind yeah, it. Yeah, and it was frankly helping me out with like reading comprehension and vocabulary and some basic sciences here and there, where like you would look at the the Marvel Universe handbook and it would talk about Magneto might be proof of the unified field theory because he can throw lightning but control gravity. And it, <laughs> and it, it went through this whole thing. I was like, what's the unified field theory? Oh, interesting. And Jeez. so it was just my, my own way of becoming this big old nerd, which, I mean, I already was a geek. And, uh, and then in college is really when the writing started. I was writing fan fiction before than in high school because, you know, kids who read comics and sci-fi write fan fiction in high school. Uh, but in college, I kept getting into these discussions with friends or sometimes with teachers about comic books reflecting uh, politics and social changes or religious viewpoints that were being introduced into the media and all this jazz. And they would always find that it very interesting. Also, by that point, I'd learned how to kind of couch the info dump in a certain way that I was just hitting them with issue numbers. I was keeping it to whatever was mm -hmm. relevant. And, and they would ask me, you know, is there anywhere online that I can read more about this? And Wikipedia was still just starting at that point, but even that was different than what I was talking about. So I just started doing articles for different websites, Monitor Duty and Fanzine, Fanzing, and, uh, and they dug it. And then, uh, and again, I also, I approached it as someone reading this is totally new. Someone here has never read a single Superman comic or knows who Kryptonite is. So let's just keep it fun and light and conversational and we can welcome them into this so they're not scared about characters having history and if you don't like it at the end that's cool no one's saying you have to this is just why i like it or why i respect the history or the evolution or what the mm. hell we're doing and uh it got to a point where warner brothers were putting out they really started pushing the dvds out of their classic cartoons and the guys who were doing uh the aquaman collection called me up and said, hey, we're doing a featurette in the special features, the, the sort of history of Aquaman. 
we've been using your piece on the history of Aquaman as like a guide. <laughs> where, where, had that, where had that piece been published? Uh, that had been on MonitorDuty.com, which is really when I started doing like we just called them profiles on Kistler's profile on whoever, mm-hmm. um, and they'd been they'd been using this as, as yeah they as, they, as they used it so because things. they said it was the most comprehensive. But also the easiest to understand, mm-hmm. which was because oh, you, know, you uh, were again using encyclopedic knowledge, but digesting it and and presenting it to an audience. That, right? Yeah. yeah, I didn't have to tell you every freaking story detail, but like this is the gist of this story, and this is why it happened, or this is what happened to Aquaman's kid. Here's who wrote at the time. Here's who was the editor at the time. Here's what was happening in comics at the time. I think that was also a big thing that I I tend and still do talk about the context i don't just say and then this happened to spider-man i'll talk about well during this time in comics crap was happening Mm -hmm. and this was the idea of what superheroes have to go through so hence this is what spider-man's deal was during that time like that's what i would talk about so they dug that and they put me on this video where i got to you know talk with other great guys like mark wade and and uh, dwayne mcduffie wow uh both of whom i've gotten to know now um and and uh and I'm like, Mark's a friend, which is ridiculous to me sometimes. Uh, <laughs> and they asked, what would the credit be? Because they were going to put comic book expert. And I honestly just didn't like that because it was a little too vague. Like, I can't tell you necessarily how inking techniques have changed well, or what technology. That, that, you're going to find yourself at conventions and people are going to want to, like, fight you. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And Lord <laughs> knows they have enough reasons to do that anyway. Right. Uh, so <laughs> I, I had seen when a couple people would link to my pieces, some of them had called me comic book historian. So I said, can we do that? Cause that's actually really accurate mm-hmm. to what I talk about. And they said, sure. So they put it up and then they basically had me on file as if we need comic book historian, <laughs> call Alan, uh, if, whether we're in New York or if he's in, in LA, cause at that point I wasn't jumping back and forth by coastally so much. That was in the title line of your V card. Yeah, there, basically. There. <laughs> yeah. And, and so, you know, I've, I've shown up on several DVD, uh, Warner brothers things since then. I'm in justice league war, uh, in Batman and son or son of Batman rather. I'm oh, on the blue. Just came out. Yeah. I'm on the Blu-ray there talking about Rachel Ghoul and Damien and Talia and uh, I'm on the Plastic Man DVD, uh, Just Justice League New Frontier, and also only the Blu-ray of Superman Batman Apocalypse. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, with, with that happening, I just figured, well, I should really start charging for, <laughs> for the stuff I'm writing online. Because you know what? This is a lot of stuff. This is some, lo- this is some long-winded stuff. Somebody once, somebody once said, if you're good Wait. at something, never do it for free. Exactly. Wait, so this whole time, up, up, up until that point... Like, I was like 25 at this point. Okay, and so you hadn't charged anyone anything for anything Because I was done. just doing things on my free time for a few, a couple of websites. Right. Where I liked the guys, I liked what they did on the website. Yeah. I didn't see this stuff anywhere else. And it was, frankly, it was stuff that I wanted to do anyway because... By writing this stuff, I had to double-check research, and, and sometimes I would learn new things myself. So uh-huh. it was fun for me. and remains fun. Uh, but also, like, I had a day job and all this other stuff, and I didn't know that anyone was going to really read this outside of a few really nerdy friends online. Well, when, you know? when, at what point did you realize that, hey, I could actually make a living doing this? Uh, I, I guess just I started getting asked to speak at conventions, for one thing, and not just specifically about superheroes, but about... Uh, like at shore leave, I would be asked to speak about uh, different approaches to time travel in science fiction, mm. or 
I started talking. That's actually kind of a point of contention among. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, Schaefer uh, hates. Well, no, I just feel that it's so frequently used as a plot device. It's like paint myself out of the corner. A lot of times it is. A lot of times it absolutely is. That's I I feel. Um, Look. I, I, there is a place for time travel. Really? <laughs> I'm just going to listen. Stop, stop, wait, stop. Wait, wait, wait. Stop, wait. Are you, Shaver of the Dark Lord, hedging your bets by saying that there's a time and a place after you so emphatically hated oh. on time travel this whole time? I, no, I'm saying take it up with the McFlies. I love time travel so much, I sing about it. Aw. It's true. I know, I know, she does. So so you were doing these conventions, you were being invited to come out and talk, yeah. not just about comic books, but just pop culture in general, pop culture tropes and yeah, and their it, history and place and time in, in media. And so when when did it dawn on you, hey, I should probably be getting something for this? Well, I mean, at that point, I was already charging for, for articles, and it wasn't very much, but then I also started really networking at conventions and and now that I had shown up on a on a DVD by Warner Brothers animation that said comic book historian I thought okay that's, let's that's instant validation let's print out some cards <laughs> yeah. so I printed out some cards and also around this time I was contacted by a couple of local science fiction writers uh, because they were reading my stuff and really liked it and they were basically having a lunch and said do you want to join us so then I got to meet several science fiction writers, some of whom I'd, I'd read their work, mm-hmm. and we got to network and stuff. And, and once they got to know me a little bit and they realized like what I do, um, I then started consulting with some of them, whether it was just pointing out plot holes mm-hmm. uh, or dialogue things, because I'm very sensitive about dialogue and writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also if someone were, say, doing a novelization of a character that they hadn't read the comics for a while... And they could call me up. They knew at, you know, 1 or 2 a.m. or something. And they could say, (laughs) hey, uh, I remember one time, like, Peter Parker, he used to always go to this place called the Coffee Bean. Where was that actually supposed to be? And I would tell them it's by Astor Place. And and they knew that, like, all right, we don't have to look it up now. We don't have to, like, Google and try to see if one person will actually come up with a location. Alan knows it. So send him money on PayPal. Cool. Thank you for being on call like this. Hey, I have this gun that's supposed to kill Superman. Could this kill Superman? Like, well, what does it do? Okay, no, but if you change this, yes. Like, and then they would, <laughs> they would pay out. So then I was doing that plus the article writing and uh, and I just, I kept pushing for it and, and I finally just got sick of doing the day job I had, which was working at a hotel, uh, which just was not for me. It, it just was not for me. <laughs> I met some cool people. I had some Great co-workers, uh, but the work was not for me. The management was definitely not for me. So mm. it was sort of sucking my energy. And uh, so I got out of that and just figured I'll be hungry for a while, but let me let me push this writing further. And then with a little help from Grant Morrison, I got an agent. And then uh, I, I started getting uh, book stuff. That um, sentence started with with a little help from yeah. Grant Morrison. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'd, like to, I'd like to go back because yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad, you, <laughs> I'm glad <laughs> you said something because my brain fell out of my ear oh, when he said that right. and it was like a delayed, like I saw myself in slow motion going, wait. Oh. So, oh, I never go told back him a that second. Because of you, I met Grant Morrison. I kept, I kind of kept that in wait, my head. Wait, wait, what? <laughs> oh, I met, I met Grant Morrison once. I touched was, him. Was it that was at a New York Comic Con? Right when, time. when uh, I was dressed as the Tardis. Yeah, and I was I, very I, cute. We had the Bat Cow oh. of Zurin Ra. With the what? The, a fan had made a bat, a version of Bat Cow. <gasps> 
but yeah. a full size cow? No, 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 no. Like this little plushie. Oh, okay. And, yeah. and I do, I do, I do love Bat Cow from Batman. Inc. Yeah, and but this was the Bat Cow of Zur and Ra, so it had the oh. the red suit with the purple cape. It was that's it, hilarious. It was amazing. That's hilarious. It was amazing. So, um, you Grant Morrison, yeah, you Grant so Morrison. We actually you do we, things. We first met very briefly. I, I'm sure he. No, I know he doesn't remember this. Uh, it was uh, Stan Lee got the New York Legend Award, uh, which was basically just this ceremony that they had at the Virgin Mega Store that used to be in Times Square. Oh yeah, I remember. All right, and they it was just to be. Hey Stan, you freaking love New York and have made it such a part of these children's stories and young adult stories and and superhero stories. Uh, we just want to give you an award to say like thank you from New York. Mm-hmm. So it was a press event and Peter David was there and he and I got to know each other a little bit by then. Uh, so uh, we were I was there both as like a friend and press uh, for I think ComicMix.com at the time. Yeah, and and Grant Morrison was there. And we got into this brief conversation about uh, Doctor Who, and we got into this idea of, like, what if Jason Statham was the, the Doctor? And there would be, like, a new version of the third Doctor, who was a martial artist. And, and, and then we started talking about Dark Side and the New Gods, and, and it was this wonderful conversation. And that, that became, for a while, like, that one time I, I met Grant Morrison and got to talk with him outside. Right, of, that was like your one Grant Morrison. Right, story. like yeah. outside of at asking him a few con, uh, questions at a signing or something. Sure, for for whoever. Sure. But so, Super Gods came out. His book. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at fifty dollars luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. And and it covers essentially the history of superhero comics also told through the lens of his life and has one of the best introductions in the world, I think. Because wow. he, he talks about that a few miles from where he lives in Scotland, there's uh, these nuclear subs at a base and that he's been told that they have enough firepower to destroy Earth roughly 50 times over. <laughs> and, and he said, one day when we are facing an invasion of 50 evil duplicate Earths, <laughs> These may ironically save our lives. <laughs> and we can continue this existence in this digital projection of a 5D dimension that we call universe. But until then, I'm just like, I love you so much. His brain is so I love cool. you so much. So, so, no, Grant, I mean, in the 90s, I, I loved his work so effing much. Uh, he made me understand he was the first one to make me understand superman after that like i got into elliot s magan mm-hmm. and other things and and he did the best 
superhero team run, I think, ever with his JLA years. I yeah. just thought that was... I don't think anyone's ever matched... Some people have come close, but for me, no one's really matched the power of that Justice League run. But so anyway, uh, Super Gods was coming out, and I found out he was doing a signing uh, a few blocks away from where I was living at the time, I think. And and it was at Midtown Comics. And I was working for Newsarama at that time, uh, doing a column called Agent of Style, which is now at the Mary Sue. Yeah. And... I called. I normally didn't do interviews for them other than at conventions where mm-hmm. you just you need everyone on deck. But I saw that he was signing, and I asked them, "Is anyone covering this signing?" And I'm like, "Oh, oh no, I we we're not." Like, "Oh, do <laughs> do you want to cover it?" I'm like, "Okay, sure." And <laughs> and so I emailed uh, his his publicist, which is his wife, Kristen, mm-hmm. and said, "Hey, could I ask him a few questions?" Uh, at the signing, and she said, sure. Uh, so, went to the signing, we talked a little bit, uh, very nice conversation, then he went back uh, to it, and he was signing, and I went up talking with Kristen for a little bit, sure. and we just got into a conversation for, I don't know, maybe like half an hour, 40 minutes, just talking about stories we were liking, stories we didn't like, what we thought of the Green Lantern movie, uh, our... <laughs> Like all all this all this jazz, uh, I I brought up to her. We got into a, a John Burns discussion, uh, and and I was bringing up like just terrible Superman stories written by John Byrne, and <laughs> it was it was a nice thing. So then uh, Grant was clearly ending his signing in in a few minutes, and I didn't want to you know chatter ear off. So I was saying, look, uh, it was great talking to you. Lovely to meet you. I'll I'll catch you later. And she said, actually, hold on a second. And she went to talk to someone else who'd been there, and I didn't know who it was. Someone from Random House, I think it was. Um, and then she came up to me and said, hey, what are you doing later tonight? And I said, "Not nothing really. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, at most packing to go to L.A. Because this is a week before Comic-Con. Mm. And I was going to go to L.A. for a few days before I went to San Diego. And she said, so Grant has to do a Q&A about Super Gods at the Tribeca Barnes & Noble. Grant hates just talking about himself, but he's supposed to talk about the book for half an hour and then open the floor up to questions. And he just he just doesn't want to do that. That's not his scene. So he prefers an interview format, a conversation format. So would you be interested? I mean, you obviously, you host your podcast. You you have no problem being on DVDs. You obviously know his work from our conversation sure, this past half sure. hour. Like, would you be interested in hosting this Q&A? I was like, I would love to. Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah. I would be fantastic. So she's like, great, it's at 7, you know, I'll see you there. It's like, cool. So I head out, and uh, and then eventually, and I, I just got the book, uh, so I ha- I quickly skimmed through it. And fortunately, like, I know Grant's career well enough that we I don't have to have read it. We right, can have a decent right. discussion about it. So we uh, then meet up at Barnes & Noble. I happen to arrive there maybe literally two seconds after Grant and Kristen have walked into the front doors themselves. So I ran into her in the escalator. I'm like, hi. And she was so sweet where she turned around and she said, hi, I haven't roped you into this, have I? Like, I haven't pressured you. Like, I feel bad that, like, maybe you had plans or something. Like, maybe your girlfriend and you were going to have dinner or something. Like, I just I just threw this at you. I was like, no, no, no. This is so, like, my girlfriend is here to watch. Like, she thinks this is awesome. And and then Grant looked down and like, oh, Alan. And, like, runs down to me. It's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't recognize your name. When you were interviewing me, 
But then I saw the bio you gave to the Random House people to introduce you tonight. You write Agent of Style. And I was like, yeah? He's like, I read Agent of Style. And I went, no, you don't. You're Grant Morrison. What are, you, what are you talking about? Like, no, I love it. Like, you get it. You understand, like, how the image matches the reality. Like, mm-hmm. your piece on Hawkman was so excellent. And, and like, and then we just started talking about the, because New 52 was coming out soon. So we yeah. talked about the, the armor and all this stuff and Superman and all that. And we just spent this half hour backstage talking about, before the, the whole thing, just talking about basically how much we liked each other's work <laughs> and, and and what we thought about certain things and haters we talked about haters, haters. Oh. Yeah. Uh, what we were, that's not a thing on the internet yeah we were haters. we were trading hater stories because uh, <laughs> i was telling him because he was talking about you know feeling defeated sometimes like look dude i get hater mail i get hater comments and i'm no one i have no effect on this industry <laughs> so like, this is not because you're that offensive. Like these these people just choose targets. That, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Then we had this great Q and A session, uh, uh, and it was it was just fun because really it was me and Grant hanging out for half an hour, <laughs> and then talking to a few other people for half an hour. Like you know, it was it was and sort so of it was it was because of that. Well, so so his agent, yeah. his book agent, was in. The audience okay. watching with his wife Kristen. Ah, okay. And so afterward, uh, she came up with him and introduced me. And he's one of the big guys at Foundry, uh, which also represents uh, Chris Hardwick. Okay. And uh, Ernest Klein, who sure. wrote Ready Player One, um, and Fifty Shades of Earl Grey, and uh, <laughs> like it, it's 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 got it's got good people behind it sure, sure. so so he introduced me to his agent uh, she uh Kristen introduced me and he'd said you know Kristen told me you haven't actually read the book yet and I said no I got it when Grant signed it three hours ago <laughs> but you were doing really well there like you knew all this stuff like you you had dates there were a couple times where it was clear like you were saying things Grant didn't know about Superman <laughs> like what 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 do you do? And so I gave him the brief rundown, and he said, "Well, it sounds like you might have a book in you or two. And, and I said, "I've got four or five." Yeah. <laughs> and he nodded. And you had, this is before you any of your books had been. Yeah, no, I had okay. done nothing yet. Well, other, yeah, other than the other online than columns, stuff, yeah. right, right. Yeah, but, but Agents of Style obviously was right, and which, and a, be- a beloved ongoing column. Yes, way, yes, yeah. which, uh, which 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 was fun. But but I hadn't published anything outside of what you see on a computer screen. Right, and. So he basically nodded. He said, I like your confidence. Here's my card. Throw me three ideas. Let's talk. And we had a couple of discussions back and forth over email for a couple of weeks. And he decided he liked me well enough that he was going to push me onto Brandy Bowles, who did a lot of pop culture books for them. And so then Brandy and I had a bunch of emails back and forth where she was basically feeling out, does this guy have one good idea or does he have several decent ideas? And and is he you know open to change? Is he open to criticism and all this jazz? Mm-hmm. And once she figured that out, she's like, "All right, I think I'm your agent. Let's let's do this." So then we started talking about a book to publish, uh, which wound up never getting published, but maybe one day it will be. <laughs> but that's that's I mean, she liked it, and mm-hmm. I liked the pitch, and and we put together a package, but no publisher ever picked it up. I'll talk about that in a second. But so just as we were talking about this idea, an old friend of mine uh, was leaving her publishing place she was at adams media and she was getting a job elsewhere and so i had 
we really didn't know each other that well. I'd met her at a bar through mutual friends. We stayed in touch. And I, so I heard she was getting this new job. I just emailed her like, hey, how are you doing? Blah, 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 blah. And she asked, how are you doing? And I said, you know, I, I got an agent, which is really cool. But other than that, it's just I, I'm actually having a lot of tough time getting work now outside of the weekly column. And, mm-hmm. and I'm feeling very frustrated. And I want to break into books. And I want to, I want to do fiction as well. And she said, you know what? Let me, let me get back to you in a few minutes. And so she, then she came back to me and she said, hey. Would you be interested in writing an unofficial Game of Thrones cookbook? <laughs> yeah, I was like, you know, a very specific thing to pitch you, right? And I was, like, and I asked her, "You, you're aware I'm not a professional cook?" She said, "No, we dig that because uh, we're looking for someone to do a user-friendly book for people who are not professional chefs. This is just supposed to be a tongue-in-cheek thing." And she knew my work, so she knew that I did research and that I did very conversational tone. And so she thought I might be a good fit. I still had to audition. I had to write a couple of samples and we had a discussion of what might change and I wrote another sample and then finally they liked that. And they said, okay, cool. And I said, great, talk to my agent. And <laughs> who I've had for three weeks, technically. And, and so I contacted Brandy like, so I've just been asked to do this. She's like, awesome. And so, and so she did her ninja skills, getting me a, a better contract than I would have had otherwise as a first-time mm-hmm. non-agent sure. author. And, and that, was your, that, was your, that was the first one. And that, that became was- my first book. And then they liked me so much on that that they then asked me to do a trivia book on Batman, on Spider-Man. They said, uh, we'd love to have you for both, but the thing is we need them both at the same time because their movies are both coming out right. weeks apart. So you, by no means... Or would we ask you to do both? You can choose either one, <laughs> Wait, because which, which year was because this? if you 2012, yeah, yeah. okay. I was trying, yeah. to, I was trying Be- to remember a time when a Batman and Spider Man movie were coming out. Right, right. That so, yeah. so they were saying like because if you if you chose to do both, we couldn't give you extra time. Like it, you would have basically six weeks to do both to write books. trivia books on both Spider Man and Batman. Yeah, exactly. Which would be, um, I think, it was eight hundred questions each, roughly. And yeah. and so they're like, you know, we're not going to ask you to do that. And then so I asked Brady, what do you think? And she said, dude, you write real fast. <laughs> and, and you know this stuff anyway. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I think you can do it. It could fry your brain. You have to figure that out. And so I was thinking about it and, and wrestling with myself. And I talked to my dear friend, Kiri Callaghan, who is, who is an author. She does fiction. She has a wonderful book out on Amazon right now called Alice, A-L-Y-S which is a darker version of Alice in Wonderland. And she also does videos for Geek and Sundry. And, uh, and I talked to Kiri about it, and she said, dude, this is a dare. Yeah, right. <laughs> They're daring you. And I, and I sort of thought of it, it is kind of a dare, isn't it? Like, but but we, can, we can agree that I'm a crazy person for doing this, right? <laughs> because only a crazy person would do this. And Kiri said to me, but Alan, 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 what would Kirk do? <laughs> and I want you damn right we're doing it and you did it and I did it I and my to... brain fried and my those, fingers melted those are your second and third books yeah, yeah. simultaneously so in, in less than a year I went from I'm really struggling now and maybe I need to go get a day job again to I have three books out like a year to like I want to break into books to I, so I, I did that three times. Here's a deadline to do double what it is that you're yeah. talking about doing. So that original book I had pitched was going to be a history of Captain America oh. and how he continually is this evolving idea of a patriot. Yeah. And no one would take it because 
they just weren't sure that Captain America movies would be popular beyond Avengers. Are like you the first one, they understood me? the first one was cool and that this would come out in time for the second movie, but they weren't sure the second movie, because it's a sequel, would be as loved as Are the first movie. Are you fucking kidding me? So they just didn't think it was a safe bet. Um, and I honestly thought about just publishing it on my own, but yeah. then I got an offer. Uh, would you publish, would you write Doctor Who a history? Right. So then that took up all the time that I would have spent on Captain America uh... a history. But see, this is, this is again how the publishing world, like television executives, works sometimes. Where it's like, I don't know that this would be a thing. And then, and then Winter Soldier thing. comes out. Yeah. Yeah, right. So do you think they're going to rope you into Captain America history because if so I will buy it I would love I still really want to do that I think he's yeah. I think it's a fascinating character to examine uh, yeah culturally this and yeah. cultural yeah. and political and also just how how um, counter conservative culture it is how counter to what you expect the stories often go I, I just wrote a two piece article uh, editorial on the Mary Sue about the history of LGBT representation in mainstream comic books. Uh-huh. And one thing I bring up is how in the early 1980s, they introduced Arnie as Cap's best friend from childhood. This mm-hmm. is a guy who beat up bullies when they picked on him, and, and they hadn't seen each other for years, not since World War II, when they both entered in. And here Arnie was now. He tracked him down. He was an older guy. And there was such a strong implication you understood if you were old enough you got oh Arnie's gay mm. and in the, it wasn't like we just mentioned it in that first issue Cap helps Arnie save his boyfriend's life mm-hmm. and sees them in this romantic embrace like this loving embrace they're not making out but yeah. it's like there's this tender relief moment. tender moment mm-hmm. and it inspires Cap that he's been very closed off with his own romantic interest recently and the last page is Cap going off and realizing like you just gotta love love and and he's it was this beautiful thing where I I pointed out in the article this is maybe 1982 I think it was that's freaking huge yeah Yeah. that huge the year after we started calling it AIDS instead of gay cancer yeah Captain America reveals his best friend the dude he considers a brother is gay and he's totally cool with it yeah he loves the dude Mm-hmm. And and that's that, really incredibly progressive. Yeah. For, well, yeah. even even in the forties, like it's, this is not just a modern comics thing. Like there there's a, a famous notorious cover of Captain America right after Pearl Harbor, where he's punching a Japanese dude on the cover who has fangs and claws, and he says, you know, remember or something like never forget something like that. And so you expect like, all right, it was we just got attacked, so everyone's being racist now. Like yeah, s- so it goes. But if you actually read the book itself. There are other, uh, they're not specifically called Japanese, they're, they're Asian, but there are other Asian characters who do not have these exaggerated features. This guy, even the other Asians are like, why does this dude have fangs and claws? Like he's, <laughs> this is a monstrous person. And then on top of that, um, this is a gang of criminals that are infiltrating the US. And Cap speaks to the emperor of whatever fictional nation they're from. Right. Very respectfully. And at one point tells Bucky like, you know, just because these criminals are from that place, we cannot judge the actions of an entire nation by the actions of some monsters. Wow. And, and then on like, top of that, 
the Japanese guy with the fangs and claws is not actually Japanese. It's an American war profiteer <laughs> who is using racism <laughs> to provoke further aggression. Oh, and man. this is freaking a month or two after Pearl Harbor. A month or two. Captain right? America in the comic a character who you would think has every reason to just be like, Japanese are evil. This just are- an avatar for America's blind patriotism right, right. and revenge. Yes. But no, no. Yeah, you know, it's interesting that like he would say something like that, like we cannot judge the actions of a few, or we cannot you know, basically a project country. that onto an entire country of people, which is something that has never appeared in any sort of advertising that has been done to like support any of our war movements ever. By our yeah. government. Well, even, even the visual of Captain America is so funny because it's, I, I'm sure, intentionally ironic. He is the Aryan ideal. Yeah. Yeah. But then you've got this great origin story of he, if he were in Nazi Germany, they would not have picked him for the super soldier experiment because he was sickly, because he's the child of two immigrants. He is, he is genetic trash. Yeah. But whereas Germany would, at least Nazi Germany would say, you know, we're getting rid of you. This German scientist in America says, we see something in you and we will bring it out and we will help you make yourself better. At its core, a much uh, more patriotic. Absolutely. Absolutely. Than just just like muscle up and and, and go for vengeance. Well, yeah. And and even in the original Captain America comic, and I was so happy that they gave you this same idea in the movie. Like they talk about the transformation is so painful it's ultimately, in the end, Steve's willpower that lets him survive and become the super soldier. And I'm so glad that was so clear in the movie. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. just well, he went through that and it was painful, but it's it's his, other people it's, could it's have done his will that. Like, no, to overcome any obstacle. Yeah, at yeah, given him, it's the heart. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the spunk that he shows in those scenes where he's like fighting in the yeah, street and, and like just like, I, getting hit. There, and there are things yeah, I can criticize about that movie, but man. Chris Hi. Evans is Steve Rogers, man. Oh, so good. He is the best. Your most recent book is Doctor Who A History. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Lugo likes that as Lugo's uh, I have, I high-pitched I, giggle. I have not read it yet, but it's on my Amazon wish list. I, I had a great time writing that. And it was, it was a daunting experience, too, because that was my first, in my head, my first real book book. It wasn't me figuring out recipes through research and then adding a quirky little intro. It wasn't me coming up with questions about other people's stories and then giving a few bits of insight. It was me writing a whole book. Right. Uh, but I had a, I had a great time and, it, and we got into a lot of areas that I told the, the publisher I really wanted to get into. I, I really this, wanted to. Uh, was this licensed by um, the BBC or was this like an unofficial? It, it, was, it is technically unofficial. Uh, I contacted the BBC and I, and I said, hey, uh, I want to do this and this is what the plan is uh-huh. and I obviously don't want to violate copyright. <laughs> oh, sure, sure, sure. And they basically said, you know, and, and a couple of the guys at BBC America had met me a few times from different interviews I'd done with Matt Smith and, right. and other people uh, and, and appearances I made at Gallifrey. So they basically so they, said... So they, they knew you were writing this. It wasn't like... Yeah, yeah. And they basically said, you know, we trust you to know what is and is not a violation of copyright mm-hmm. and trademarked images and go for it. Uh, you know, we wish you the best. Uh, they They basically said that I had actually offered to write it for them. Oh. Um, and they basically said their policy is they don't go to outside people for that unless... Oh, and they if, have their own in-house archivist. They have their own in-house. And also, if they do, then it's got to be that they approach someone 
that they came to this decision after looking at other candidates. Oh, I see. It's they don't just take someone walking to them. Um, that, that, that makes sense, I guess. And it's fine. Yeah, it's yeah. totally fine. They they were very helpful in in anything I had to ask. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Everyone involved was very helpful. Uh, did the they, biggest did, did they read it? Did they have any? Uh... Uh, did, did you hear back from them? I, I have not heard about anyone of the BBC reading it. I know a few different people who have read it, uh, who've been involved in the show. I know John Berriman has a, has a copy. Um, uh, Lena Headey has a signed copy of my unofficial Game of Thrones cookbook, uh, which is way fun. But the uh, uh, the biggest help I honestly got was from Big Finish, who do the audio dramas. Oh yeah. Uh, for the past fifteen years now of Doctor Who and related mm. media, amazing audio dramas. Their Eighth Doctor stuff is freaking phenomenal, and they were so helpful in getting me in touch with people who exist in both worlds, such as Nicholas Briggs, who is one of the creative minds behind Big Finish and writes and directs many stories, but he's also the voice of every Dalek and Cyberman yeah. <laughs> in the last century. Uh, <laughs> And and what a wonderful guy! So uh, and and they helped me get in touch with other people. I got to interview some classic companions. Oh, got to interview uh, Philip Hinchcliffe, who was Tom Baker's first producer. Wow! Uh, and he really—it was during the Hinchcliffe, uh, Robert Holmes era that we got so much of what we now consider to be the mythology of the Doctor, yeah. going to Gallifrey yeah. and learning about the witches and all this jazz. And and uh, so to talk to him. Uh, about how wow. Sarah Jane was crafted, how Lila was crafted, was just phenomenal. He's also one of the classiest dudes I've ever met. <laughs> I really thought after a while that someone should bring us both a snifter and, <laughs> and that this fireplace would slowly rise from the ground. Uh, but no, it was an incredible experience. I am hoping if we sell a few more copies, I get to do hopefully a updated, an updated edition Oh. Uh, that takes the because this came out right before the 50th anniversary, right? So the updated version would include the 50th anniversary and oh, probably right, the first right, couple right. of Capaldi episodes sure. so that we could talk about his version of the Doctor. But I mean, the biggest thing that I loved about doing this, and probably the biggest advantage I had of doing it not under the BBC, sure, was that I could point out when the BBC's maybe gone wrong or mm-hmm. treated people oh, not sure. great, or also I could point out changes that maybe the fans want and the BBC doesn't necessarily want to comment on like can the doctor be a woman because I mean I'm, I'm very into feminist uh, topics oh sure and I don't see any reason for it when you so, already have it that the character can't transform so you, why you, not uh, uh, so, so the, the, the book has some criticisms sure uh, that the BBC necessarily wouldn't want to comment they on. probably wouldn't want to just bring it up here and there I mean that, and also there are eras of the show where there are these two arguments about who messed up what. Right. Oh, and right. why was this dude fired or why did he leave? Right. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. Also, why decorative vegetable? Yeah. <laughs> that, that damn. Why not? John Nathan Turner, how I love and loathe you at once. Just like, <laughs> you gave us some great guys, you gave us some good doctors, and then you would do things just because you thought, no, he's an alien. Put a vegetable on him. Literally, that was the reasoning. Uh, you say that like it's a bad thing, sir. Yeah. So the, the doctor, the Doctor Who book is is different than your previous books in that it's it's more, I guess, comprehensive or more. Yeah, it's it's actually a guide to this franchise. It's a discussion of the franchise and how it's evolved. It's a discussion of 
uh, influences it drew from and things it has influenced. Uh, it's a discussion of how it's approached sexuality and a feminism and also kind of where it fits into a pop culture context, such as what British sci-fi TV of the 1960s was versus the 1980s. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Versus when the the reboot came out, when, when the, the new era came out. I mean, during the 1980s, people... Will will crap on that era a lot, and to be fair, there are lots of things to criticize. But it was also during a time when the feeling of the BBC was Americans do science fiction, oh. we do drama. If we do science fiction, it's funny, it's mm-hmm. it's satire, it's right, it's, red, it's dwarf, red dwarf, and, it's yeah. hitchhiker's guy. Yeah, um, but we don't do science. That's not us. <laughs> You know, oh, not when the Americans are doing Blade Runner and we just don't have the budget for it, you know. And, and that was seriously an attitude of, and there was an embarrassment about Doctor Who. Really? Why is it still here? Really? Because, um, again, it's, it's such a different mentality in, in Europe. You know, two, three years yeah. on, a, on a show, that's a good run. Yeah, that's, and, yeah, that's and true. And you leave to do other projects because why would you stay long? Why would you possibly risk burning out? Uh, mm. A lot of people with Russell T. Davis, when he started the new show... He didn't say, oh, I'll do this forever. He said, no, I'll, I'll, at the beginning, he said, I'll do this for three or four years. Any longer than that would be stupid. You'll, yeah. you'll get tired and you'll burn out. So, yeah, three or four years and then I'll leave and the next blow can take over. Yeah. Do you think that's and why Eccleston only stayed for a season? Eccleston. Uh, no, or is that's... Eccleston just Eccleston? No, 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 no. There, there are, I mean, there's, there's this weird vibe that, that people have gotten and, and people have sort of exacerbated that he didn't like the show and just wanted nothing to do with it after a while. And I have to say, like, in, in my interviews and research, that's not really true. Mm-hmm. He continues, uh, whenever someone brings up Doctor Who, he continually talks about what a great character that was, what a great series and premise that is, and how fantastic it is to give these ideas <laughs> to children and give these morality plays sure, to children. Sure. Um, he is, it's a couple of things, I think. One, he's been very upfront he hates feeling stagnant. He he hates feeling trapped, a certain thing. When he does theater, he doesn't stay in theater roles for too long because doing the same stuff every night, week after week, gets on his nerves. He mm-hmm. wants to continually refresh. Well, that makes and sense. Maybe that's why he didn't come back for the G.I. Joe sequel. Yeah. But, but, <laughs> yeah, that was the reason. But the, the doctor uh, can only evolve so far. Because even when we have different incarnations, there are certain things right, we don't rules. let yeah. the doctor delve into. Tom Baker put it beautifully when he said, uh, "The doctor is I not." Love Tom Baker. I know. He's he's an amazing. He's Willy Wonka. Yes, he I is. swear to God, yes, the man is. is actually an alien. Like, I love. He is Tom not. Tom Baker. He is so, the fourth doctor. He's yes, just he not as smart. That's really the difference. <laughs> he just happened to um, be an actor instead. One of my favorite things, it just his mind doesn't work like ours. One of my favorite things was when he was. This interview opened up like, hi, Tom, how are you? And he just very seriously went, I'm radiant. <laughs> oh, my heart. <laughs> oh, my whole heart. But, I love Tom Baker. He had I this... really just need <sighs> Lugo and Alan to sit down and have lunch and talk about Doctor <laughs> Who. Tom... And I just want to be there for it, but like in the bushes. Tom, Tom Baker <laughs> is like such a spirit animal. He, he really is. And he... But he had this wonderful point where he brought up like that, you know, Doctor Who is not a, a, a role you you bring in an actor. You bring in a performer because this is a familiar character. It's not just an archetype. 
But this specific character, despite the mystery, there are things familiar that we, the audience, know on an internal level, things he will and will not do, yeah. things he will and will not say. Yeah. And it's... He, he brought up, it's almost the same thing as James Bond or Sherlock Holmes. If you have Sherlock Holmes acting very fluffy and laid back... Yeah, and it, it with, goes against... With like yeah. a niece palling around with him or something like, <laughs> this does not freaking work. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, because even, no matter how much you say, but it's a modernization, but it's a different cast, but we've... No, we know who Sherlock Holmes is. Yeah. And the Doctor's very much the same way. And I think Eccleston, after a while, and Billy Piper talked about that he was feeling kind of stuck. Also, the first season of the show is maybe not the best season to have been an actor on that show. Yeah. Because... That was a trial and error process for everyone there. No one there had done 13 episodes in a season. That was twice as long as anyone had worked on a season before. They had actually initially pitched six-episode season. Mm. And and to be told 13 episodes, oh, crap. And on top of that, just they weren't used to working with this budget. They weren't used to dealing with these concerns about set versus the green screen versus computer effects. Mm -hmm. This was new for everyone and the way the script writing went also, you had Eccleston in every other scene. Yeah. And that's he just... a lot of work. Right. And that's why starting the next year, along with saving money for the Christmas specials, you would have a Dr. Light episode where Tennant was just in five minutes oh, like collectively. Oh, like the Weeping Angel episode. Right. Like Blink. <gasps> oh, right. Or, or right. Love and Monsters. Those yeah. are the Dr. Light episodes where you gave someone a freaking break. Yeah. And let them turn left. You know, oh, you're in a reality where the doctor died. So conveniently, he's only in the first and last scene, which are filmed on the same set. Like, so you would give the actor a freaking break. Yeah. But that doesn't happen the first season. It was very trial and error. So you had all of that. And then also, Chris Eccleston did tell an acting class a couple of years later that there was some problem he had with someone in authority. That's, that's the story I heard. Yeah. Right. And, and that he felt like if he stayed on the show, he would be saying he was okay with how this person behaved, yeah. particularly towards other employees. Yeah. And he didn't agree with that. Mm-hmm. And he felt he could do something else. He, he'd done his time. Um, and, and he was fine with that. And, uh, but he also then countered that immediately bringing back to the point of, but this is a great show. This is a wonderful character. Yeah. And, and he brought up, I got to be a hero to kids. And let me tell you, kids are the best critics because they can see past bullshit. Yeah. They just, are you a good character in a good story is yeah. what the kid cares about. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's fantastic. Um, the one, one brief Tom Baker note, cause I, cause I love it. And I think it, it's something that the doctor should always have. Actually. He talked one time about how, uh, he was different than the third doctor. Uh, John Pertwee, who was yeah. very sarcastic, and he was saying, you know, they very sarcasm doesn't really work for me. I don't really work on sarcasm, so I I took the doctor not as sarcastic, but as sort of this benevolent lunacy, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> because I'm an alien. <laughs> and and he, and he just said this wonderful thing where he's just like, you know, I just realized like to play an alien with dark secrets, and dark thoughts, and wonderful thoughts to play that part. You just be Tom Baker. Oh my jelly jam! And he and he even in a recent interview, they were asking him about you know you just hooked into this. He's just like, well, our lives are very similar. If you eliminate Leela and the Daleks, it's very similar. Here it is. I I adore him. I just but have he to and say, he and Paul McGann are my favorites. 
Tom Baker is Lugo's doctor. That's my doctor. Eccleston is my doctor. Eccleston was brilliant. Eccleston, I, I mean, Eccleston was the the reason I I watched Doctor he, Who. Like he, he got me in there. Those like he blew things up. And he was he, just this beautifully that coat and it, it was this beautifully <laughs> damaged angel. Yeah, yeah I like yeah, I like this, him this damaged. Post traumatic stress doctor. Bing. It was wonderful. Yeah, he was just he had he was so tortured and so Ugh. sad. And, I mean, and so Sylvester sexy. Sylvester yeah. McCoy brought <laughs> up. I, I interviewed Sylvester McCoy and and he was talking about how much he loved Eccleston because there was a subtlety to the alienness and there was this yeah. discomfort of being in his own skin. Even when he was mm-hmm. being funny, yeah, he was uncomfortable. Yeah. And what an interesting, damaged soul that is. Well, just just him. I mean, you 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 learn this over time, and and you know about the the, the time war and the, and the destruction. Yeah, Gal- and it's like you know you don't know you don't know it from you don't. I mean, you don't have this information on the first episode, but immediately no. there's you this can sense feel of it. there's this sense of regret and guilt yeah. and yeah. a weight yeah. that no one person should ever have to bear. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and you get immediately that he's using his humor to deflect all of that. Yeah. And it's just so wonderful to and, watch. And the yeah. Eighth Doctor audio plays have done a wonderful job of getting us closer and closer to that damage. Because the Eighth yeah. Doctor now is a very different soul than he was when we first met him. He's, yeah. he's wearing the, the black leather jacket that Paul McGann wanted to wear originally. And he was told yeah. no one will accept Doctor Who in a black leather jacket. Uh, <laughs> and and he's, he's acting a little more damaged, a little more snide and sneer. Oh, nice, and nice. the most recent one, they had this great episode where he finally, because we learned in, in the new series that mm-hmm. the, the Time Lords resurrected the Master at some yeah. point yeah. to fight this Time War. Uh, he meets the resurrected master, a previous version before John Sim. Ah. And just like, how are you alive? Like, I actually saw you die. And, and, and there's this whole thing where the master's like, oh, no, there's a war coming on. And they want, they want a warrior like me to fight. And there's this great line where he references, they reference Genesis of the Daleks, where the, where the, doc, the fourth doctor was sent back in time to the birth of the Daleks. Yeah, because yeah. Paul McGann is saying, like, no, no, not even the Time Lords are that crazy to resurrect you. Not even the Time Lords would do that. And the Master just goes, I know, but you know, they are all sorts of stories about what they do. I heard they sent one of us back to the birth of Dalek one time to like prevent their race. Who could imagine that? Oh, and it's just man. this wonderful, like, I love you two so much. The best. But yeah, so Doctor Who is awesome. Please check out Doctor Who History. It's Please on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Buy all his books. Give yes. him all your money dollars. <laughs> Here we go. I'm just going to I'm gonna wrap them up really quick. The unofficial Game of Thrones cookbook. Yep. The unofficial Batman tri- trivia book. Tra- challenge. Challenge. Thank you. Challenge. The unofficial Spider-Man trivia challenge. Doctor Who history. Yep. And you can find Agent of Style each week on themarysuit.com. Read and, it. It's the best thing you'll ever read. And, and you're going to be at uh, San Diego Comic-Con. You're going to be doing some panels there? Yes. Uh, I will be speaking of feminist topics and uh, possibly on the psychology of certain characters with my buddy, Travis Langley. We tend to do a couple panels together. Awesome. So um, if you're going to be in San Diego for Comic-Con, check out those panels. Also look for me at the bar at VidCon. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and one, one last thing. I would like to see if you could maybe help settle a long dispute right. between my co-host Nelson Lugo and what myself. What dispute is that? Sure. Dispute. Like, on this show, it's you're the you're the Doctor Who expert. I don't know anything about Doctor Who. Well, I... I Shut I, your I, mouth. I'm not... T- I'm done. I'm still talking. I'm not an expert. You're the you're the Doctor Who expert on I'm the show. I'm not an expert. You're the Star Trek expert on the show. I'm not an expert. I'm the Batman expert on the show. Mm, <laughs> I, w- I, would, I would say... I Again, I wouldn't use the word expert. I, I would. 
In fact, I just did. I just want the internet to know that Lugo purports himself on his Instagram as a Batman enthusiast. That's true. I am okay. a Batman enthusiast. I feel that I have a greater uh, wealth of knowledge about Batman than you do. And I've made this argument to you many times. Um, I would, I, I, I challenge that argument. Do you? Yeah. <laughs> so good, because we have Alan Kissler here. And you know Oh, what? fuck you! <laughs> so, let me get this straight. Uh, yes. If, uh, Mr. Uh, uh, Sizzler Kissler here is going to... Uh, ask- Kistler. Kistler, I apologize. Is going to be asking us Batman questions. Yes. And I'm supposed to uh, believe that you don't have answers to these questions ahead of time? You are supposed to believe that. But you're also supposed to believe this challenge is going to be a bit more difficult. Uh, anyone listening, uh, is ever, anybody here familiar with what a tay-zapper is? I, I am. Let me ask you, Lugo. Do you know what a tay-zapper is? No. Okay. It is a sex toy that is used by kink fetishists. Okay. Uh, specifically, like, in videos, like, on oh, you, kink.com. No, you're not, no, you're not touching me. With yeah, it's, no. it's one of these, uh, it's an electrocution. It's like a no. really low-grade cattle prod. No, I know what it is now. Into no, I know what it is now. You're not touching me with a low-grade yeah, cattle prod. Yeah, no, I totally am. No, you're not. So what's no, going to happen? No, <laughs> No, actually, Chuck, actually, oh, Chuck. fucking fuck balls. <laughs> I don't like this. No, 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 no. It no. looks like this. No, no. I have one of these. No, I know you do. I don't know. I don't. And I hate that I know you have that. I know. Here's what's going to happen. Oh, God damn it. Alan Kistler is going to ask us uh, both a series of Batman trivia questions. Yeah. Chuck will keep score yeah. uh, to determine who's best. And uh, just so that you're under duress to make it, you know, to make your knowledge feel even more real. Yeah. Uh, when we miss a question... Chuck's going to zap us with the tay zap. No, she's not. Yeah. No, I don't want to be zapped. Here's the thing. You do not have my consent for this, sir. Well, Tangelo. Now I do. Because <laughs> that's your safe word. Um, listen, I need you to know this. It's not like being shocked with a cattle prod. No. Well, I should hope not. No, because that's illegal. They can't sell that. And actually, I had to order this from the UK because they oh, you can't sell them in the States. fuck balls. Here's what it's like. Yeah? Here's what it's like. It's like... You know when you when you touch a uh, in the winter and there's a lot of static electricity and you touch a metal door and you get shocked? Yeah. It's like that. It's like a really strong oh, one God of those. Yeah, no. Come I on. Don't like this. Hey, but if you know so much you got nothing to worry about, right? I'm calling every decision I've ever made in my life into question at this point. Do you want me to test it first so you can see what, no. it, what it looks like? No, because that would just make it worse. Cause then the expect then I'll have an expectation. Okay. It's really not that bad. Oh, fucking fuckballs. All right. So, just Chuck, you'll be playing the part of, uh... I hate this. The oh, electrocutioner. Oh! The electrocutioner. The I thing don't... I referenced earlier in the show. A Batman villain. Yes. A few. A few have been named that. Is this... Is the, uh, is all oh, you... I knew there was cahoots. I... I knew... I knew there was something up. Damn it! I just want the internet to know that I... Totally wore my Harley Quinn dress for this yes, because I yeah. knew I was going to check. Be a check the show notes for the selfie. <sighs> okay. I will be holding the taser in the selfie, guys. So, so you'll know. you want to you go first? <sighs> yeah, I'll go first. Fuck it. Yeah, let's do this. <laughs> okay. Wait, hold on, hold on. How many questions? Ten, ten. each. <laughs> no, no, ten. <laughs> ten questions total. The best, the best out of ten. No, no, no. We'll do ten each. God, no, dude. We're gonna be here fucking forever. No, we don't. We'll do them fast. All right. Fuck. Fucking fuckballs. Go. Okay. First of all, I'd, I'd like to say um, I was very glad when you got here. Now I have your <laughs> fucking guts. Hey, don't blame it. Don't put it on him. This is no, all me. No, it was his idea. You, you don't have to get the shotgun on your tongue. No. God, what? What is wrong with you? You don't have to you? get it on your junk either. What is Wait. wrong with you? Right your arm. God. Um, oh. question before we start. Sure. I hold the button. You hold the button down, and then you touch the two metal ends. Two. 
okay. two flesh. Okay, can yeah. you set it to stun and not kill? That has no setting. God damn it. I'll go it for it. It only runs on like 18 AA batteries. It's shut up. Just shut your fucking face hole. Let's do this. I want I, the quicker we okay. can get through this, okay. the better. Please, okay. All right. Alan Kissler, this is the Batman Alan, electrocutioner please, challenge. Please, for the love of God, please don't kill me. All right, true or false? Batman sales were so low in the late fifties and early sixties, DC considered canceling or killing him in nineteen sixty-four. True. That is true. <gasps> oh, oh, good job, oh, buddy. Oh, fuck. Well done. Thank God. Well done. I, now I hate this game. Okay. <laughs> what is Batman's favorite tea? What the? F- <laughs> Fuck! Don't look at me. Um. Um. I I know it. The I, answers aren't here. I'm gonna go with uh uh uh, just black tea. Nope. Give it to me. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to do that this. That was a reaction. Jesus. I don't want to do this anymore. The correct answer was Lap Sang Su Chong. Oh I never God. would have gotten that. Yeah. Which is a very popular uh, tea in Europe, but is actually a smoked Asian tea. Oh. All right. Okay. It's lovely. Oh my, uh, my, my testicles have retreated up into my body cavity. I just want okay. to know that. Uh, <laughs> while he was still in training... One of Bruce Wayne's aliases was also the name of the author of the Hardy Boys. What is that author name? Author of the Hardy Boys. I I don't know. <laughs> oh my god. Um Oh uh, wait, can we can we uh oh, did you have your iPhone? No. <laughs> Angela Lansbury? <laughs> Wait, no. No, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Shit balls. Tell me. Tell me what it is. It's Franklin Dixon. I never would have gotten that. Right. Oh, God. I hate you so much. <laughs> Are you okay, dude? Are you all right? I, I hate all of you. Jesus. Cool. Cool. Okay. I'm sweating. All right. <laughs> In the in the earliest Batman adventures, he had a girlfriend who was quickly a fiance. What is her name? In the earliest? Yeah. The earliest. Yeah. She also, if it'll help, was featured in Matt Wagner's Batman and the Monster Men and Batman and the Mad Monk. Oh wait, I don't. Uh, I don't. I'm just gonna go with Vicky Vale. No. Okay. Julie Madison. Son of a bitch. Ah. <laughs> This is actually getting easier the more I do it. Oh. (laughs) He got one right. All right, all right. Give me, give me, give me, give me. Pre-crisis, Batman had a housekeeper who would help raise him along with Alfred. What is her name? Oh. Uh, 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 Fuck! It's not Leslie Tompkins. No, I'm telling you that right no, now. Uh, I don't know. Give me the fucking shot. It was Mrs. Chilton, who was Joe Chill's mom. What? Oh wait, wait! I didn't know. I had no idea. Yeah. Batman didn't know that. Okay, go. Only Alfred knew. Just go. Just do it. Ah, God 
Damn it. I thought it was going to be Aunt B. Wasn't that her name on the... Oh, oh yeah, there, there was an the Aunt Harriet. Oh, Aunt Harriet. Okay. But, right. That was apparently Dick's aunt, I think. I don't know. I'm going to switch arms for the next one. That one's too hard. Um, okay. <laughs> that one's too hard. That one's too hard. All right. All right. Okay. Since we were speaking of my buddy Grant Morrison earlier. Okay. Uh, the Batman of Zurin R, a Batman of an alien world. What is that character's real name? Jean-Paul Valley? No, no. It was, it's mentioned during Batman R.I.P. It is Talano. Fuck! I read that! Ow! <laughs> Alright. Okay. Arkham Asylum. Yes! That's, a, that's, a, that's where they put the criminally insane. Right, right. Next question. The name... No. <laughs> <laughs> the name Arkham yeah. comes from the works of what author? Oh, oh, uh, H.P. Lovecraft. Yes. Oh! Woo! Nice. All right. Yeah. I'm a place. You do. I haven't gotten anything. All right. One of Batman's ancestors served in Camelot and got the Holy Grail. Which knight of the Round Table am I talking about? Who was Bruce Wayne's ancestor? Oh, yeah. Fuck you guys. <laughs> They're both like Lugo and Chuck are both looking at. Oh, I know that one. Yeah, I do know that one. Me too. You're gonna kick yourself later. Um. Uh, uh, Sir Lancelot Wayne, of course. <laughs> Lancelot's last name was Duloc, so in two ways that is wrong. <laughs> no, it doesn't. You want to try one more time? Um, I'm sure it's Sir something Wayne, and I I don't. It's Gawain. Gawain. Sir Gawain. Hey, you want to do, you want to do it right in front of the mic? All right, hit me. All righty. Um, where did yeah. Batman's enemy Prometheus build his secret lair? Oh, um, it was like a, it was like a, a, I know it has a name, but it's like a, um. There are three possible names for this place. Inth dimension? Nope. All right. And it was a pocket thing. It was like a right. pocket universe. I don't, right. um, oh shit. Um, he had like a floating house on right. a, on a rock. Ah, right. oh, shit. Negative zone? You're close. Um, you did make two guesses now. Hold on. He said three possibles. <laughs> um, that, that's not what that meant. <laughs> Give him the juice. Oh, no, hold on, hold on. Do I get half credit? No, what there's no such thing. Ah, fine. What is it? What is I it? I can't half shock you, Lugo. Yeah. You there's can, no setting. This, unless you just want to punch him. It's you ouch can, and not ouch. That's, yeah. that's it. it, it the <laughs> possible answers were the ghost zone, the still zone, or the phantom zone. The phantoms. All right. Give me the damn thing. Ah, damn it. All right. Um, what was Mr. Freeze's first villain name? So before he called himself Mr. Oh, Freeze, yeah. he called himself a different name. It wasn't Captain Cold, was it? No, no, it's a Flash villain. Yeah, I know, but I thought like I it's something there was equally a thing where they, like, cheesy. Used... Uh, uh... Can, can I steal? No. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. Wait, I know. What was it? Uh, Baron Zero. No, it was Mister Zero. Oh, well, too bad I don't get a shock. Oh, you did it on my elbow. What number are we on right now? You told me. You know I think I'm... we're on six. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that was six. So now this is, we just got three more for each of you. Okay. Um, da -da 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 -da. 
Okay. Uh, the Riddler legally changed his name to Edward Enigma. Oh, oh. What was his birth name? Uh, Still Edward. No, so. I know. Edward Nashton. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Wait, what? Yeah. I'm kidding. He really is here. <laughs> yeah, well, the joke's on you, buddy, because this I get off on this, so. <laughs> Tangelo. Actually, no, I Tangelo. don't. It kind of hurts. All right. All righty. Uh, Batman did some of his training in a mystical city in Tibet. I'm looking for the name of it. A hint. Boston brand, the dead man, also has connection to this city. Like pretty much any time Boston brand shows up, they mention this city. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, um, give it to me, Chuck. <laughs> what is the answer? It is Nanda Parbat. Nanda Parbat. I never know how to pronounce that. I, I, I say Parbat. Some yeah. people say Parbat. Sure. Hit him. Okay. Uh, yeah. All right. Recently referenced yeah. in a Batman story with the Maybe Machine. With the what now? The Maybe Machine. I'm already fucked. It's, it was one of the more recent Grant Morrison, Dick Grayson, and Damien stories. Sure. Where they were traveling in time. What is right. the name of the scientist who made this machine? Oh. And actually throughout the 50s, he would mentally project Batman and Robin through time. Oh, fuck balls! Can I, uh, can I, can I Doctor Morrow? No. Ah, uh, hit me. That was Carter Nichols, Professor Carter Nichols. Do it to me. Just do it. <laughs> My arm here isn't burning, is it? No. Okay. Fine. It's just a little electricity. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You're just ready because I'm terrible at this. This was my idea. Okay. Pamela Isley is Poison Ivy. Uh Uh-huh. But pre-crisis, she had a different real name. What was it? She had a name before Pamela Isley? Yes. The hint, it is is a very flowery name. Vicky Vale, give it to me. Lillian Rose. Oh, for fuck's sake. That sucks. Ow! (laughs) Shit, that one really hurt. Okay. Wait, is this the last one? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Right. Okay. In JLA Classified... Oh, I'm already fucked. We learned that Batman keeps uh, items recovered from aliens... Right. ...in what he labels the sci-fi closet. Sure. There is a creature from another franchise, another universe entirely, not DC-related, uh-huh. in that closet. Uh-huh. Can you name the creature or the franchise he is from? Is it the Babelfish? No. Ah! It's, a, it, it's a Dalek. It's a, Seriously? He's yeah. got a Dalek? Yeah, he's got like a disabled Dalek in there. Like a dead Dalek. All right, hit me. Oh, mother crapping piss bucket! I mean, I've already lost, but maybe I'll get one right. There are two possible answers for this. Ooh, there you go. No, oh, I like my odds. What is the address of Wayne Manor? <laughs> <laughs> this is the best question ever. You guys both know it? No. <laughs> but it's so obvious that it's Wayne 
1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, Gotham City, Gotham. <laughs> so, in in a rare Batman comic, it was said to be 224 Park Drive. In Batman the Animated Series, in the episode with Jonah Hex, oh. uh, it is said to be 1007 Mountain Drive. Man, you know, I thought... It's right. It, they project it on the screen because you see it on the bad computer in the cars. Oh, sure, yeah. sure, sure, sure. All right, take it. I, 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 I thought, I thought these questions were going to be like, "What time were his parents killed?" I, to, in, in, in your defense, yeah. I did say, "Make them hard." <laughs> <laughs> All right. I also had like, "What's his birthday?" Oh, like, <laughs> I, <laughs> Christmas. <laughs> ah! April seventh. Can we can we stop do this please now? Nelson Lugo has won the Batman Electrocutioner Challenge. With zero points. <laughs> we have Schaefer the Dark Lord. And with a whopping three points. Three? The winner of the Electrocutioner Batman Trivia Challenge, <laughs> Nelson Lugo. Internet, I have to say, I did not like this when it started, but I really want to do that more now. <laughs> Congratulations, Luke. You just got really hotter. Sir. And thank you so much, Alan. Let's, let's out, please, let's outro him. I want to put ice on this. Alan Kissler, we'd yeah. like to thank you so much for coming by the thank podcast. You. We'll put all of your links up in the show notes. And uh, I wish you nothing but continued success in all that you do. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much, sir. Yay! Thank you fun. so much, Alan. Yay. Of course, darling. Once again, we'd like to thank our guest, Alan Kissler, for being with us on the podcast this month. <laughs> thank you so much, Alan. And thank you really so great. much, Chuck. Yeah, yeah. You you brought Alan in. Thank you so much for uh, for doing that. Um, I love him so much. So it and now really I love him so much. I know we're all bonded through pain, <laughs> pain um, and Batman and Batman, which pain. is appropriate, really. Pain if you and think about it. Bruce Payne. Um. So what do you what do you got coming up uh, uh, that you want to plug there, Chuck? I will have appeared on a podcast called Crash Chords. Oh, yeah. Uh, Matt Storm's podcast. I so love that. I love the podcast. Find that. We're going to review, um, as Afterbirth Monkey, uh, Katy Perry's Prism. So it's you and... Uh, Mark Robert Turner. We are going to be on a podcast, and we're going to talk about uh, Katy Perry. Oh, fantastic. why fantastic. not? Um, then on Saturday, June 14th, <laughs> Also known as Flag Day, uh-huh. Afterbirth Monkey will be playing as a guest for the Brooklyn Smallest Penis Pageant. Ooh. I'm not kidding. I'm so excited about this. So Wait, who's um, competing? Um, Brooklyn men with small People dicks. People on purpose. With small, that's, small, small that's penises. That's not a thing I want to attend, oddly I, enough. You should, because I'm going to be there. All right. Um, so that'll be exciting. We're going to perform three songs, uh-huh. all completely dick-centric. Sure. Go sure. us. Then on Sunday, June 15th, also known as Father's Day, Afterbirth Monkey will be playing at Kitty Nights, 9 p.m. <laughs> at M. White Bar. Awesome. Then on June 16th, which is a Monday, right. I will be go-go dancing for the reunited BTK bands, oh, BTK oh. Pride oh, Show nice. at the Crane Theater at 8 p.m. I will be there. You should be there. Give me money dollars. I will give you all the money dollars. Put them in my undies. I will just hand it to you. On Saturday. Why are you guys talking like robots? I don't, I don't know. know. Okay. Cause it was a thing. I, yeah. 
we are robots now. Okay. On Saturday, June 21st, this is not an appearance or a performance, but come to the Coney Island Mermaid Parade. I will be marching with the reigning Miss Coney Island, Rita and Weep. Oh, wonderful. And that is my month. What do you What do you got going on June there, uh, buddy boy? Yeah, nothing but crap. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> On Friday, June 6th, I will appear in Neil O'Fortune's Bedlam Burlesque at our bar. I will be doing a rap song, because <laughs> apparently that's my craft. On Wednesday, June 11th, I will appear in Fancy Feast's show at uh, Parkside Lounge called Now You See Us, Now We're Drunk. The theme of this show is there are like six performers, and oh, they no. all do their act, and at intermission, everybody does a fuckload of shots, and they come back, and they do the same oh, act I again. Oh, I heard this pitch. Oh, I wanted I'm, to be on I'm that, doing that, yes. And you can come out and holler at me and shock me with a tay zapper. <laughs> Luca, uh, what do you got? Uh, for the month of June, I've got nothing. Um, I By the time you hear this, I would have already done my one uh, my solo show performance, Gathering the Magic. Quit living in the past. And <laughs> uh, I might actually be going to Orlando on June 27th to uh, host uh, uh, Bing Bang Boom Burlesque. Uh, their theme is noir, but we're still negotiating all kinds of stuff. So uh, it's entirely possible I'll be there, and it's also entirely possible I will not be there. But oh, the, so the converse is a possibility too of the thing that you just said is possible. That's implied with the word possible. I hate you Likewise. with a fiery passion of a thousand suns. Anyway, so uh, I believe that's it. Anything else? Any last thoughts? Any uh, uh, things to say? I grow weary of this world, you guys. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Epic Podcast, episode 21. I have been your host, Nelson Lugo. I have been your other host, Schaefer the Dark Lord. I have been your other, other host, Charles Stunning. Be safe, internets. Did you know that muggle is actually a 1920s New Orleans term to reference marijuana? Bye. Thank you for listening to the Epic Podcast. We'd love to hear from you, our loyal listener. So send us your feedback, love mail, hate mail, dick pics, and recipes to epicpiecast at gmail.com. But seriously, don't send us dick pics. As listener-supported entertainment, we rely on you to keep this and other shows on the Nerdy Show Network alive by telling a friend, rating and reviewing us on iTunes, shopping at nerdyshow.com store, or directly donating to the network. Any sized contribution gets you exclusive Nerdy Show audio and images and lets you participate in our monthly support drives. Just go to nerdyshow.com support to chip in. To find out how you or your company can underwrite this or other Nerdy Show programming, visit nerdyshow.com sponsorships. For more episodes of the Epic Piecast, as well as other fine programs, community forums, videos, articles, and more, head over to nerdyshow.com. You can subscribe to all Nerdy Show Network podcasts via the iTunes Store. And for the latest news, follow us on all your favorite social networks. We're glad to be your home for authentic nerdy entertainment. Oh my god, I can't believe we almost forgot to send a shout-out to C. Muldrow this episode. But then... At the very last second, we didn't forget. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 